Don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by, for you may be the next to die. They wrap you up in bloody sheets to drop you six feet underneath. Tonight, on the Midnight Train Podcast, we head on over to Boston and discuss the curious case of the Boston Strangler. Who was this butthole? Did they get the right butthole? Let's see what you think, passengers. Warning. If you're new here, these guys swear a lot, like a shit ton. Listener discretion is advised. All aboard. Your eyes, they eat your nose as you begin to decompose. A slimy beetle with demon's eyes. Choose through your stomach and out your sides. Your stomach turns rancid grease and pus pours out like melted cheese. Hello, passengers. Oh, and welcome to the Midnight Train. I've been singing all day. <laughs> welcome to the Midnight Train podcast where we bring the dark to light. You know what? You guys probably know what that means. We make fun of and joke about creepy shit while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. Do you think they know what it means by now? I, I would hope those that listen do. I would. I think so. Okay. Maybe. You know. Well, I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, and in case you didn't know, Jonathan Sayer. That's all you get today. Damn it. <laughs> and with me always is my co-host. It's Mr. Moody. Yeah. That's for the shitty applause. Yeah, it happens. How are you, bud? Pretty good. How you doing, bud? Oh, man. Been just crazy. Crazy week. Yeah. Super busy at work. That's good. And freaking having all this anxiety. Started new anxiety medication. And really? Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's not working well. No? It's, it's, it's just, I feel weird. And I just started taking it, so I guess I got to, like, acclimate to. to it or whatever. I, yeah, like, I hear that a lot, and I, I, I can't relate, I'm, you know, well, I guess fortunately, but it's hard, you know, I can't, you know, I, I've been, I've heard, though, that, like, when you take, like, either depression, depression or, like, stuff like anxieties, yeah. that, like, it takes a while to get used to. Yeah, well, you hear that out there, folks, okay? I'm just an average guy. Your, your conductor has... Yeah. emotional baggage and, he and, cries and problems. He cries all the I time. I actually masturbate with my tears. Yeah, I've heard yeah, that. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, it works. <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, I do. I have Are a... You? I have a I, am I? <laughs> um, no, I, I have, you know, I have to take medication and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. you know, and well, all kinds of stupid stuff, especially the anxiety lately. Anxiety At least you're treating yourself when you're, yeah, you're, I'm you're trying. trying to keep it under control. Yeah, it's Good. crazy. So if you guys out there have that kind of shit going on, you're not alone. So, And if you don't, you're also not alone. <laughs> sure. I'm just trying to, you know, right. include but everybody. If, but if you do, you know, have problems, don't feel bad for seeking help Absolutely and shit. Absolutely not. Yeah, you should do Absolutely that. Absolutely You know, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, oh, man, I'm not going to go. Then people are going to think I'm crazy. Like, man, fuck it. Doesn't make you more of a man. It makes you an idiot. That's right. Everyone knows I'm crazy already. So true. me just going to get help for it just. I guess proves them right. <laughs> oh, it also proves that that shit doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's not so far. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. But well, that's why we do this podcast. Yeah, exactly. And it is therapy for me. It's it good. is. It no, truthfully yeah. is. Like uh, it, it really helps me out a lot. I get super psyched about it. And well, it's like uh, that made me that new review we got. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, before we get we've into been all getting that quite stuff, a few of them, man. Uh, I love was, it. The guy said that uh, he listens and it, it reminds him of his sons. And his buddies, his sons and his son's friends just sitting yeah. around bullshitting and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Which is amazing. And that made me feel good because that's all we do is bullshit. But he, but he also said in the, uh, the review as well it, that we were informative, research, research yeah. well. Like we, we bring Appreciate kind of a new review. spin on it. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you much. for listening. Thank you for the review. Yeah, that's super, super awesome. Do we have that person? I don't have his. 
I sent you the text. You should be able we've to see it. We've got so many. Um, we've, we've been getting quite a few of them, man. It's actually yeah. really awesome. If we can find his, uh, yeah, his, see. his handle. See. Does it say here what his it handle is? should be at is? the bottom. I don't know. Um, make changes for me under slash Deb. All right. I think that's it. Make, yeah. make, make, yeah. Okay. Deb. So maybe it's a woman. Maybe. Maybe. Either way. Thank you. Whoever you are. Thank you. And keep those reviews going. In fact, the entire review itself says been listening to different podcasts now for about three years throughout my day at work. Just discovered this one. The guys remind me of my sons. Yes, I'm old. Oh, you're feel, not that I old. do feel bad for you, though. If we remind you of your sons, you have... God bless. God you poor bless you. parent. <laughs> um, with their conversations and the quotes from favorite movies and inside jokes, it's creative, different, well-researched, and informative. The guys have great chemistry and work off each other easily during the conversation. Keep up the good work, fellas. Thank you so much. Yes. We appreciate that. And, you know, we, we get a lot of them, and I got to start reading them more. I do. Yeah. I have to start reading yeah. the reviews more because it, it really does matter. So, yeah. and we we appreciate you listening, and we yeah. we, and listen, we like to we like to call you out, not in a bad way, but like right in a good we way. Like to call you out. Thank you for listening. We'll, yeah. we'll get your name out there. And, we appreciate yeah. it for sure. And you and you beautiful bunch of dark passengers know that we're just a couple of musicians and assholes, and I love history. Can't get another mysterious, and we want you all to know. That it, uh, you know, it means so much to us. It does. It does. Like that one right there. It's yeah. freaking awesome. It's great. Those reviews and support really do make all the hard work worthwhile and more than just us appreciating it because, I mean, as much as we love the reviews, we, you know, it's, it's nice to hear that, but it does help with the, the, it does. It moving moves us up, up the and ranks and stuff like that. Yeah. And all that stuff, which, which gets us more listeners, right? Which affords us more, uh, uh, opportunity. Correct. To do better things. Correct. Right. So please stop on over to Apple Podcasts (laughs) or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review like that person did. Thank you so much. It helps for some fucking reason, but we don't know why. I mean, it's the algorithms and science. You can leave any review you'd like. You can also find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio by typing the Midnight Train podcast in their search bar and clicking the follow button. You'll then get each episode as they are released. And Patreon subscribers will be getting a bonus episode. (laughs) You might be getting this one. Dude, dude. Okay, I know what you said to me about it. Uh That is perfect for the Patreon listeners because they know what to expect. Yeah, but it's... it's, That's where we can get get crazy. Like so many different times um, I've had had to like kind of reiterate that I was just reading what was on the page. So it's not my or anyone else's opinions of it. Sure. Um, So basically what we did is it uh, every Thursday night, um, in case you don't know, um, a couple of really good friends who were also producers of the show and my wife, we do beer night on Thursdays (laughs) and we tie one on and I've decided to start maybe recording those and maybe doing little offshoots of episodes, whatnot. And I decided to dive into um, Midgetville And uh, it's not little peopleville the entire time, dude. I'm not even joking. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I'm, you know, we're drinking. So it just makes it even sillier. So you guys let me know if I should post that up. How's that? (laughs) I think you should. For our Patreon listeners, please let us know. And if you're not a Patreon supporter, (laughs) sign up and then let us know (laughs) if you you want to hear uh, that. Right. And you can sign up for that over at patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast. Or head over to the Midnight Train Podcast.com. That's our official website. While you're there, you can pick up some merchandise, which we have been selling some merchandise lately. So thank Saw you guys that. out there that are rocking those shirts and 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 the Danny, whatnot. Danny was looking at 
knit shirts and stuff. You want yeah. to get something? They're, they're pretty sweet. Yeah, they're good. They're pretty sweet. Maybe I can hook you up with a coupon code. Super what do you think? Sweet. What do you think? Coupon code for you? Yeah. 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 Knock a couple bucks off. Can you like just make it like moody, whatever? Like make <laughs> moody the coupon I code? can do whatever. I can, yeah, I can make whatever. Sure. Yeah. Plus, there's a lot of cool stuff over there. And you can find us also, too, at our official uh, Facebook group page. All right. Just look at the Midnight Train Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, uh, Instagram. Um, I, we actually have a TikTok. Which we've never used. I've used it once. Did you? Yes. What did you do? I, I don't remember. I, I, I think I was drinking at the time. So it probably had something to do with beer. Oh. I don't remember. Anyway. <laughs> so don't, don't follow us on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. No, maybe you should. I want to start doing more stuff with that. I think it'd be fun. Oh, boy. You know what we should do? We should get a hold of our good friend Jeff, and we should just Dude, ask him be... to simply do nothing but TikTok stuff for us. For us? Yeah. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> you know it would be great. Yeah, Jeff, if you're listening, <laughs> you're on call, buddy. All right. So let's turn down the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink, and let's get spooky and murdery. Today. Murdery? It's a little murdery today. Murder. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but first... Here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. Yeah! Look, we don't know where this song goes yeah. after this part, so it's gonna be drops bad. Right here. No, I met you in the dark. It was nope. a Saturday night. Remember seeing you just dancing in the middle of the crowd. It was something I mean, about you because you got stuck I in mean, my mind. Stuck in my mind. Strap the beat here, ready? Damn it! Oh, dude, that's twice. It's too long without a drop. But the next thing I knew, we went into this one blind. So. Yeah. Alright, ready? And drop the beat. And alright, oh, get ready. Hold on, hold on. Build up, build up, build up. The pre-chorus. Build up. Let's see where it goes. I'm, I'm waiting. Oh. Oh shit! All right, all right. It's kind of happy. It's got a little like Latin feel yeah. to it, almost. Yeah. Ooh, all right. This song's called. Uh, it's on. Uh, we actually get a lot of our music now from a website that offers free music that people just put out. So they we don't get. Music. So we don't get banned. Yeah, in we New don't want to get banned in New Zealand again <laughs> or anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, this song is actually called Loving Caliber, or uh, maybe it's the band's called Loving Caliber. One of the, just look up Loving Caliber, and this song's on there. Not bad. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. Pretty cool. I don't know if it really gets me. Uh, in the murder mood, but that, that beginning sounded like it was gonna be. Yeah, I thought it, it was gonna be gone. Like, it could have really gone yeah, like, anyway. I guess. That's I thought it was gonna happens. drop hard. That's what happens when you go in blind, though? You know? it, it dropped. It dropped decently. Yeah, it didn't drop right. as hard as I was hoping it would, but <laughs> it, it it dropped. We so know how you like things hard. <laughs> all right, all right. So most of us deranged lunatics, as you know, we are know the story of the Boston Strangler, which is what we are going to be discussing today. All also, right? a great song by the band Macabre. Is it really? Oh yeah. I don't I don't know that. Oh, it's so good. It's called the Boston Strangler. Yeah, Macabre, they do all songs about serial killers. That's all they do. Really? So does they have uh a whole album about Jeffrey Dahmer. They have like so, dude, are they like brutal heavy though? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where you can't understand them? You can, some of it. There's another band, I can't remember who it is. Oh, and, they're so good, dude. And uh they're really cool. And Chainsaw would know because he's the one that actually turned me on to those guys. Um he's right now listening to this in his truck and he's going, It's this, you son of a bitch. Is it that band that he's posted a couple of times? It's not sick. Say 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 what you mom Anyway. I think I know you're talking about. Like I I don't really listen to him, but I I've seen him post 
it's something I think I know exactly who you're talking about. They're they're really cool, though. It's like this techno girl crazy shit, and it's pretty badass. Dude, Macabre. Macabre is amazing. Yeah, but they're probably like... Some of their stuff is, but some of it's not. They're fucking phenomenal musicians. Like, they have this little uh, guitar, like, thing where the dude, like, plays a classical guitar. It's fucking incredible. Really? Incredible. Macabre. Yeah. That's macabre, right? Macabre. (laughs) Macabre. Yes. (laughs) So we're talking about the Boston Strangler, and some of you may be asking yourselves, but guys, I thought you only did unsolved cases. John. Yes? I thought we only did unsolved cases. Well, we do. Okay, but... This time is no different. But I thought they have the Boston, or had the Boston Strangler. Well... Even though you know the story, you may not know all the craziness surrounding the case. Interesting. Most people straight up believe the killer was Albert DeSalvo. Mm-hmm. And he seems this, like the logical choice. That's what the history books will tell you. Correct. Especially since he's been linked directly by um, DNA evidence to uh, one of the crime scenes, which we will actually talk about more later. There's also much evidence that does not necessarily add up to DeSalvo being responsible for all the murders. True. One thing a good portion of people don't realize is that DeSalvo was never convicted of the Boston Strangler murders. Correct. Which is fucking mind-boggling. It is. It's mind-boggling. Bottling? Mind-boggling. It's where all my... <laughs> I'm trying to do the quote. What is it? He's like, where I get all my... Um, is it memories? Or all my thoughts get trapped in my head. <laughs> so it's mind-boggling. Who is that? Will Ferrell, I think. Mind-boggling. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I love that guy. So we will start off with the DeSalvo story and how okay. he became known as the perpetrator behind these heinous murders. And then we'll go into heinous. the crazy stuff. Heinous. That's a good word. Yeah. I like the word heinous. The heinous because they heinous. It might just be because it has the word anus in it. Correct. That's why you like it. You can it. get away with saying it. Because you're a child. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> 41 year old child. Oh, I'm, now you I'm know right how old I am, you fuckers. Ha ah. ha. John's 48. So. Fuck, I'm 44. Hmm. <laughs> It's this nitro bad, is pretty good. Way, yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. We're actually uh, drinking um, uh, Platforms Nitro Luck. It's an Irish style dry stout. Again, if you guys know any breweries that you think would like to sponsor the show, that's where I want to go with this. Hell yeah, dude. I truthfully want breweries and nothing but breweries. So yeah, as long as they can handle fine. us and our bullshit, we will drink and talk about their beers while we're on the show. We're already on the adult only side of things. Anyways. Absolutely. You can't even look for us on fucking Patreon. Right. Or you got to be 21 to buy beer. You know what I mean? You got to be an adult to listen to the show. Exactly. It goes hand in hand. So let those breweries out there know. If you work fuck for a brewery, yeah, get, a, get a hold of us. All right? Seriously. We'll fucking drink the shit out of your shit. Looking at you, High Life. Yeah. <laughs> you really want that High Life. I do. Oh, man. So well, born I like on, living the High Life, I man. know you do. So born on September 3rd, 1931 in Chelsea, Massachusetts, Albert DeSalvo was in and out of trouble with the police from an early age, but nothing as gruesome as the Boston Strangler case. DeSalvo admitted to murdering 13 women in Boston between 1962 and 1964, most of whom were elderly and alone. He was killed in prison in 1973 after being sentenced to life. DeSalvo, a well-built 29-year-old, had a history of breaking and entering. He had spent time in prison for a bizarre series of peeping Tom escapades, fucking creep, where he would knock on old ladies' doors, pretend he was a model scout, and proceed to measure up the flattered women if he was lucky enough to get in. Mm. It seemed like a harmless, albeit disturbing pastime, and DeSalvo spent 18 months in prison for such sexually oriented mischievousness. Okay. Mis- mischievousness. Now, mischievous. if you remember, if you remember from last week, yes, last week's creepy Jersey episode, mm-hmm. he spent time at that prison that we covered. Correct. I think that that was what it was for. Good. Fucking creep. <clears throat> anyway, that's just weird. Yeah. 
It's just weird. Like, what do you what, what do you get out of that? I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna take your measurements. Okay. I'm not kink shaming anyone. You know what I mean? But that seems really fucking weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, ugh. So DeSalvo had a tough upbringing. <laughs> he was brought up with four siblings, and his father was a wife-beating alcoholic. As a boy, DeSalvo became a delinquent and spent time in and out of prison for petty crime and violence. So, you know, not a good childhood, not a good upbringing. Years after he uh, he had been char- or discharged from the army for dis- uh, disobeying orders, he settled down and married Ermgard Beck. That's her name, Ermgard? Yeah. Oh, boy. Sounds German as fuck. Well, she is from Germany. Oh, hey. So her name is Ermgard. Does she have a mustache? I hope she does not. <laughs> it would make her sexier. She did. <laughs> she has that mustache. Like, oh, my God, you sexy bitch. Ooh. <laughs> well, they lived modestly, and despite Ermgard giving birth to a unfortunately handicapped child, the family managed to, uh, to sustain itself. Ermgard was aware that DeSalvo was highly sexed and tried to avoid intercourse hey. for fear of having another handicapped baby. <laughs> However, a healthy boy was born, and DeSalvo appeared to become a conscientious right. family man. That's what everyone said about him, yeah. that he was actually a pretty good family man. Liked and appreciated by colleagues and his boss. He was also known to be an outrageous braggart. <laughs> well, That's a fucking. I mean, who's great not, word. right? You know, who's not though? I know, especially back then. Fuck was. modesty. Yeah, right. <laughs> Braggart, such a good word. It is good. Which perhaps led the police to later disbelieve his claims to be the strangler because he was quite boisterous and it talk- was me. <laughs> he talked a lot of shit. So between June 1962 and January 1964, a series of grisly murders took place in Boston. Like we mentioned, all the victims were women who had been strangled. The Boston slayings were blamed on one lone sociopath, and mystery still surrounds the case. Yes, it does, and we're going to discuss that shit. That's why we're talking about it. Right. The Boston Strangler has been held accountable for, as we said, and eh, what is it, 11 of the 13 murders? I of female victims. Yeah, that's what that's what they can that's what they say that they quote unquote know was the, that could be okay. attributed to him. But they don't fucking know. Right. And as mentioned, no one was actually tried for the Boston murders. <laughs> nope. But DeSalvo was, by the public at least, believed to be the man responsible. DeSalvo actually confessed to each of the thirteen official strangler murders. However, some doubt was shed on DeSalvo's claims by people who personally knew and worked with him. Again, he was that of a braggart. Well, and that, and like that, goes to say something to me. Like, I know everyone. Like, you talk to like someone's neighbors after you find out they're like, "Oh, he's such a quiet guy. I wouldn't have expected it." But like, so many people came to this dude's like defense. Like, there's no fuck. There, you know, everybody they talked to that knew him well was like, "There's no way. There's no way this dude did this." Especially thirteen. Yeah. Like one alone, but someone to go yeah. through. I mean, that's that's excessive. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? That's excessive. Yeah. So what makes these particular murders stand out in the annals of serial killing is the fact that many of the victims were mature or elderly. The combination of old age, loneliness, and vulnerability adds to the brutality and tragedy of the events. That sucks. Sure. You know, let alone, I mean, they're, they're like little old ladies. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of fucked. I, I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, you can't really say I, much else. I'm that. not, well, I could, but I'm not going to go there. I don't want to piss anybody oh, off. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm just not going to piss anybody <laughs> I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. All right. <laughs> so Anna Sleezers, uh, Sleezers? I will say Sleezers. A seamstress and devout churchgoer was oh. the first victim to be murdered on the evening of June 14th, 1962. She lived on her own in a modest brick house apartment at 77 Gainsborough Street in Boston. Her son, Juris. Uh, yeah. I actually believe it's pronounced Baston. Ba- Baston. 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 Yeah. And down here by the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I got to perfect I was, that exit. I was listening to Dropkick Murphys on the way over nice. here. Nice. So. 
So her son, Juris, uh, was meant to come to, uh, by to pick her up for a memorial service. When he discovered her body in the bathroom with a cord around her neck tied in a bow, Juris assumed she had committed suicide. Homicide detectives uh, James Mellon and John Driscoll found Sleezers um, in an obscene state, nude and stripped of dignity. She had been sexually assaulted. The apartment looked as though it had been ransacked with Sleezer's purse and contents strewn on the floor. Despite what appeared to be a robbery, a gold watch and pieces of jewelry were left behind. The police settled on the hypothesis that it was just a botched burglary, which is kind of, maybe they were just in a hurry. They were going in the, you know, I mean, boggle. Possibly. Or maybe. Burgle? burgle? Uh, it's burgle, not boggle. Why did I say boggle? Boggle. That's the game. That's a game. That's a oh, word yeah. game. Peggy Hill plays boggle. Boggle? She's a champ. Peggy Hill from King of the Hill. Mm. Show you was a boggle tournaments and shit. I've never watched that show. Okay. I mean, I know. I know the guy talked like this, Bobby. You know, yeah, it's from Beavis and Butthead. Damn it. That's where he got his start on Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Large fry pie coffee. Now. <laughs> so just under three weeks later, on June 28th, 1962, 85 year old Mary Mullen. Oh, wait. Uh, sorry. I'm sorry. How old was the first one? Uh, she was. Does it say? No, it does not say. It just says, uh, seamstress, it's seamstress and devout church. Man, that is some shitty research. Yeah, well, I'm an <laughs> asshole and fuck that up. We're just going to assume that she was elderly. Mature. She was elderly. We're, we're going to assume. Well, her adult son came over, so she's probably like 50, 60 at that right. point. At, at least. least. At least. Yeah. Right. So, um, 85 year old Mary Mullen was also found murdered in her home. Two days later, the body of 68 year old Nina Nichols was also discovered in the Brighton area of Boston again. And uh, well, again, it appeared to be a burglary despite valuable um, silver that appeared untouched. The ransacking didn't seem to make sense to the detectives. I mean, yeah, because I mean, if you've got stuff that's accessible right there in front of you, yeah, and you're trying to rob stuff, unless like they're they making were, it look, they make it look like it was a robbery, right? You know. Right? They're making it look. Like Either way, they're killing motherfuckers. Yeah, it's bad. It's fucked up. Nichols was also found in a state of undress, her legs wide open, and her stocking tops uh, tied in a bow. Okay. Just kind of fucked. Yeah. Then on the same day, a second body was discovered a Oof. few miles north of Boston in the suburb of Lynn. Helen Blake was a 65-year-old divorcee, and her murder was more gruesome. She had suffered lacerations to her, sorry folks, vagina and anus. Again, the uh, bow trademark was evident, this time made from tying her bra around her neck. Like the previous crimes, the scene appeared to be a burglary. Huh? You make a bow out of a bra. Well, back then, I don't know. They probably didn't have, like, wires and shit in them, so it was probably just fabric. You know what I mean? Back in the 60s. Yeah. Just... I don't know. Do I look like I make bras? Dude? I don't know. You look like you make bows. I take them off. <laughs> hey! Anyways. Hey, sorry. After this brutal slaying, it was clear that Boston had a serial killer in its midst. <laughs> Police Seven killings yeah. in. They're like, yeah. you know what? We might have <laughs> yeah. something here. This kind of all adds up. <laughs> Police Commissioner Edmund McNamara canceled all police leave due to the severity of the situation, and a warning went out via the media to Boston's female population. Women were advised to lock their doors and be cautious of strangers. Police profiling had already decided that in all probability they were looking for a psychopath whose hatred... (laughs) Wow, really? (laughs) You think? Bang up job, guys. You guys are doing great over there in Boston. Whose hatred of older women may actually be linked to his own relationship with his mother. Okay. Makes sense. Yes. It wasn't long before McNamara's fears were realized. A fourth brutal slaying took place at Seven Grove Garden in Boston's West End on August 19th. The victim was 75-year-old widow Ida Erga. She had been strangled and she was on her back on the floor wearing a brown nightdress, which was ripped and exposed her body. 
Her legs were apart and wrestling and uh, resting on two chairs, and a cushion had been placed under her her buttocks. Again, there was no sign of forced entry. So it sounds like they're allowing these people to come in. He's getting in somehow, yeah. Right. You know, kind of like, hey, I'm a with model agency. Possibly. Maybe. Less than 24 hours later, the body of Jane Sullivan was found not far from the previous victim at 435 Columbia Road in Dorchester. 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 Now, see, if they say Worcester for Win- Winchester, Dorster. right? it's Dorster. It's got to be. <laughs> Dorster. Down in Dorster. Anyway, <laughs> the 65-year-old nurse had been murdered a week before and was found dead in the bathroom. She'd been strangled by her own nylons. Terror spread throughout Boston as the city feared another attack, but it was three months before the strangler struck again. This time, the victim was young. 21-year-old Sophie Clark was an African-American student who was very mindful of her safety and um, and rarely dated. Her body was found on December 5th, 1962, a few blocks away from the first victim, Sleaser. Clark was found nude and had been sexually assaulted. She had been strangled by her own stockings and semen was discovered for the first time. Somehow, despite Sophie's precautions, precaution, precautions, Jesus, she had still let in the murderer. So they're just letting these people in. So somebody's yeah. a smooth talker yeah. or, you know, something. Yeah. Although Clark did not fit the same profile as the other victims, the police were sure it was the work of the same killer. Furthermore, this time they had a lead regarding the killer's possible identification. A female neighbor informed Ooh. the police that a man had knocked on her door, insisting that he had been sent to paint her apartment. He finally left after remember she told that him. De- remember that detail. Yeah. Anyway. He finally left after she told him that her husband was sleeping in the next room. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm here to paint your apartment. Well, remember that detail when it comes to what we're talking about later as far as the ca- the, the doubt, neighbor. the doubt yeah. shed on the case. Right. And again, we're talking about this because it's <clears throat> just a fucked up case and nobody's definitively been there's been yeah, no There's a lot of there's a lot of crazy shit around it, right. man. 3 weeks later, another young woman's life ended tragically. 23-year-old Patricia Bissett was pregnant when she was found dead in her apartment near the area where Sleezers and Clark had lived. Bissett was discovered by her boss when she didn't turn up for uh, for work. Her body lay in her bed covered by sheets and she had been sexually assaulted and strangled with her own stockings. While the city appeared to have been spared another attack for several months, the police desperately tried to find any connection between the women and people they may have known. Every sex offender on the Boston police files was interviewed and checked, yet still nothing turned it's probably up. Probably a sheer load of people, too. Yeah, I would imagine. In, in Boston? Yeah. I mean, it's a large city, what I was saying. Not, not, not saying that Boston is full. That's what I'm saying. Of nothing but I'm, sex offenders. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, the Bostonians are like, hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> hey. Hey, Moody. Hey, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I actually like Boston. I, I mean, I, actually, I, I hate their sports teams, right? And their sports fans. It's a cool city because they're obnoxious as fuck. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do like the city itself. I do too. Before long, a series of murders started again. This time, the body of 68-year-old Mary Brown was found strangled and raped 25 miles north of the city in March 1963. So back to the older victims. Yes. Two months later, the ninth victim, Beverly Sammons, was found. The 23-year-old graduate had missed choir practice on the day of her murder, May 8th, 1963. Now, I'm going to pause real fast. So typically, and we're going to do an episode about, uh, and I kind of uh, talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, where I wanted to do the super nerd episode. Yeah. And I want it to be on the uh, the DSM-5. Okay. And I want to really tear that apart. If you don't know what the DSM-5 is, it's basically the psychological breakdown of what makes um, 
uh, psych, uh, psychos and, yeah. and, yeah, yeah. and everything involved in it, right. like their MO, mm -hmm. their backgrounds, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I really want to get into that. So when you hear about somebody who is a suspe uh, suspected murderer and they have two totally bouncing all over the place, like that's yeah. very, very rare, yeah. very rare. Sammons was found with her hands tied behind her back with one of her scarves. A nylon stocking and two handkerchiefs uh, were tied around her neck. Bizarrely, a piece of cloth over her mouth hit a second cloth, which had been stuffed in her mouth. Yuck. So that that's a pretty big deviation, too. Correct. It's totally that's different. something that's completely random. Right. You're completely outside of what your normality is here. Four stab wounds to her neck had most likely killed her rather than strangulation. So she was also, also stabbed. completely different. Right. And there. that's and that's weird to like um like killers killers evolve a lot of times you'll mm -hmm. see that but they still keep the same basic correct like principle like for for if this was a serial killer killing the same people uh the jump in age is weird enough but then to all of a sudden start stabbing people and leaving random cloths over their mouths and in their mouth like that's a big jump from one killing to another like right. you don't just it's a complete 180. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and it, it's also X access when um you're when you're doing this and you're already doing it to the point where you're you're killing people. Yeah. They're they're do you're you're completing what you want to get done. Why add that element to it? You know? So there were a further 22 stabs, uh stab wounds to Salmon's body, 18 in the shape of a bullseye on her right breast. She had been raped, but there was no evidence of semen. It was thought that because of her strong throat muscles due to singing, the killer had to take uh, to stabbing her instead of strangulation. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. Makes sense. I, I didn't. You'll I really, be okay if you get stabbed in the neck or tried to choke out, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Now I have to rethink my... <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, you know what? I mean, it makes Fucker. It does make sense, though, because I remember reading uh, this thing one time about this this football player who worked out all the time and he was lifting, he was doing a uh, bench press okay. and, and it, like he dropped it, like it slipped and it fell on his neck. And he said the only reason, basically the only reason he didn't die is because his neck muscles were so built and developed from working out all the time. Right. That that saved him from basically taking his head off and killing him. Holy shit. Yeah. But if he wouldn't have been working out, that wouldn't have happened anyway. No, I get that. But, but I'm still. just saying, <laughs> okay. If you were weightlifting and you dropped it, you would die. Do you see me weightlifting? But that's my point. Like, I'm just saying. Started, I'm just saying one constitutes started, the other. If you just started work, you got to start somewhere. Not if you don't ever. See, my point is, if I never do that, I won't have to worry about it slipping and hitting my neck. I know that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Whatever. <laughs> the police who were now desperate even sought the help of a clairvoyant. <laughs> of course they did. And you know they're always right. Oh, yeah. He described the killer as a mental patient who had absconded from Boston State Hospital in the days the killings <laughs> took place. So he was just a mental patient that left every now and then and oh, went and killed? Apparently. He broke out, killed some people, went back. Oh, my God. However, this was soon discounted when another murder was committed. Absconded. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm just... I'm just not going to hang out in the hospital today. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You guys mind if I go down the street? Uh, yeah, I'll be back in about half hour here. Just going to go get some coffee. Yeah, it's fine, right? You guys are good with that, right? All right, I'll be back in a little bit. <laughs> On September 8th, 1963, in Salem, Evelyn Corbin, youthful-looking 58-year-old divorcee, became oh. the latest victim. Corbin was found nude and on her bed face up. Her underwear had been stuffed in her mouth, and again, there were traces of semen, both on lipstick stains and in her mouth. Ugh. Again, again with the, the, something stuffed in the mouth. Yeah. 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 So it seems okay. like, yeah. Corbin's apartment had been ransacked in similar fashion. 
On November 25th, Joan Graff, a 23-year-old industrial designer, was raped and killed in her apartment in the Lawrence section of the city. Several descriptions of her attacker matched those of the man who had asked to paint Clark's neighbors flat. The description detailed a man wearing dark green slacks, dark shirt, and jacket. On January 4th, 1964, one of the most gruesome murders was discovered when two women came across the body of their roommate. Oh, God. Mary Sullivan was found dead sitting on her bed, her back against the headboard. She had been strangled with a dark stocking. She had been sexually assaulted with a broom handle. What the fuck? This obscenity was rendered even more disturbing by the fact that a Happy New Year card lay wedged between her feet. The same hallmarks of the killer were evident. A ransacked apartment, few valuables taken, and the victim strangled with their own underwear or scarves, which were tied into bows. Obviously, the city was was panic-stricken, and the situation prompted the drafting in of a top investigator to head the hunt for the strangler. Massachusetts Attorney General Edward Brooke, the highest-ranking law enforcement officer in the state, began working on January 17, 1964, to bring the serial killer to book. There was pressure on Brooke, the only African-American attorney general in the county, to succeed where others had failed. All right? So he's definitely got his hands full with this one. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would think so. You know what I mean? Like, not only is everyone on your ass about it, but if you don't fucking stop it, someone else is going to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, can you imagine the amount of fucking, you think, I think I have anxiety now. Yeah. Oh, the pressure? Fuck. Fuck dude. Yeah. That's got to be any of those cases, man. Any, like, serial killer case, especially if they keep happening while you're in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, ah, oh, fuck, another one? Yeah. Jesus. God, it sucks. Brooke headed up a task force that included assigning permanent staff to the Boston Strangler case. He brought an assistant attorney general, John Bottomley, who had a reputation for being unconventional. Bottomley's force had to, uh, his force had to sift through thousands of pages of material from different police forces. Police profiling was relatively new in the early 1960s, but they came up with what they thought was the most likely description of the killer. He was believed to be around 30. Okay. Neat and orderly. Okay. Worked with his hands. Okay. And was most likely a loner who may be divorced or separated. Swing and a miss? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. In fact, the killer ended up being found by chance, not by the work of the police force. Good job, guys. Yeah. After a spell in prison for breaking and entering, DeSalvo went on to commit more serious crimes here. He had broken into a woman's apartment, tied her up on the bed, and held a knife to her throat before molesting her and running away. Okay, so it seems similar, but no killing. Right. Right. That could be the start of the escalation. Correct. That's which is very possible. Like yeah. you, they always seem to go a little bit further each yep. time. Start start with the rape and end with the killing. Right. The victim gave the police a good description, one that matched his likeness sketch from his previous crimes. Shortly after, DeSalvo was arrested. Sure. Butthole. It was after he, he, is. <laughs> he is a butthole. After he had been picked out of an identity parade that uh, DeSalvo admitted to robbing hundreds of apartments and carrying out a couple of rapes. So happy. The identity parade. Hey, we're going to have an identity parade today. It's like. They're marching through, they're waving. <laughs> She's just like, no, it's not him. No. It's not that guy. No. Sorry, that was horrible. <laughs> Why is there a dread? Whatever, it's not that guy. <laughs> is that a fucking elephant? <laughs> so he uh, he obviously admitted to the uh, hundreds of, you know, robbing hundreds of apartments and uh, carrying out a couple of rapes. He then confessed to being the Boston Strangler. Really? Yes. Wow. Despite the police not believing him at the time. Yeah, I know. How, how lucky is that? <laughs> bring in a guy and he's like yeah i'm the guy wow you know that guy you're looking for this guy yeah all right guys pack it up we got him 
All right. The detective was like, God damn it. <laughs> Despite the police not believing him at the time, DeSalvo was sent to Bridgewater State Hospital to be assessed by psychiatrist, as he should. He was assigned an attorney by the name of F. Lee Bailey. Uh, I believe it's Flea Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does he play for Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yeah, I tell you, that's yeah. the same guy. He's an amazing bass player. And lawyer. <laughs> it's F. Lee Bailey, just so we're not confusing anyone out there. Because that'd be, it's not Flea. Stop it. When DeSalvo's wife was told by Bailey that her husband had confessed to being the strangler, she couldn't believe it and suggested he was doing it purely for payment from the newspapers. This is something that comes up a lot. Yeah. About why he confessed. Yeah. We get more into that. Uh, there's more in there about him. Um, the, the, this is like all the basics. We'll get more into the confessions and F. Lee Bailey and all that stuff later, though. Right. And, and uh, hopefully the name F. Lee Bailey is somewhat familiar to everyone. If everybody. not, we're going to tell you. Yeah. During Flea his spell. Bailey. It's F. Lee Bailey. <laughs> we'll call him Flea from now Fuck. During his spell in Bridgewater, DeSalvo struck up a friendship with another. And that is Bridgewater. Isn't that the one? Is that the one where he was at? No, that's not the one we were talking no. about in Jersey. Okay. No, no. That was the one back when he was. That's like the, uh, that's like a mental. Oh, Okay. Uh, he struck up a uh, a friendship with another inmate, an intelligent but highly dangerous killer called George Nasser. Nasser. Remember that fucking name. The two apparently had worked out a deal to split reward money that would go to anyone who supplied information to the identity of the strangler. DeSalvo had accepted that he would be in prison for the rest of his life and wanted his family to be financially secure. Bailey interviewed DeSalvo to discover if he really was the notorious killer. The attorney was shocked to hear DeSalvo describe the murders in incredible detail, right down to the furniture in the apartments of his victims. Who would know that? The killer. But. Oh, no. I know. And we'll talk about this a little yes, more. Yes. It was only on like one or two. There was other ones that he got completely wrong. So. True that. You know. So DeSalvo had it all worked out. He believed he could convince the psychi uh, psychiatric board that he was insane and then remain in prison for the rest of his life. Bailey could then write up his story and make much-needed money to support his family. In his book, The Defense Never Rests, Bailey explained how it was that DeSalvo managed to avoid detection. DeSalvo was Dr. Jekyll. The police were looking for Mr. Hyde. Oh. It's true, they were. Yes. After a second visit and listening to DeSalvo describe in grisly detail the murder of 75-year-old Ida Erga, Bailey was convinced his client was the Boston Strangler. When he asked DeSalvo why he chose a victim of such an age, the man coolly replied that, quote, attractiveness had nothing to do with it. After many hours of questioning and going into a minute detail of what the victims wore. It makes it even more gross. I, I know. It's, it is. Yeah, because he's just doing it to do it. I don't care it. what they look like. Yeah, he's just doing it to do it. <sighs> anyway, uh, talking about the, um, you know, as they were going through what the victims wore and how their um, apartments looked, both Bailey and the police were convinced that they had the killer. One disturbing revelation was when DeSalvo described an aborted attack on a Danish girl. As he was strangling her, he caught sight of himself in the mirror. Horrified by the ghastly vision of what he was doing, he released her and begged her not to tell the police before fleeing. Hey, do me a favor. Can you not say anything to anyone? Look, I know I was just raping you and everything, right. but uh, if just, you could just do me a favor, like, uh, I realize now <laughs> it would, it, that it was just, a bad idea. Just do me a solid, you prick. <laughs> Fuck this guy. DeSalvo was incarcerated in what is now known as the MCI Cedar Junction Prison in Massachusetts. In November 1973, he got word to his doctor that he needed to see him urgently. DeSalvo had something important to say about the Boston Strangler murders. The night before they were to meet, however, DeSalvo was stabbed to death in prison. Convenient? Interesting. 
Because of the level of security in the prison, it is assumed that the killing had uh, been planned with a degree of cooperation between employees and prisoners. Whatever the case, and though there were no more murders by the Strangler after DeSavo had been arrested, the Strangler case was never closed. Remember what we said earlier about unsolved? Unsolved. Just saying. So there you have the basic tale of the Strangler. We didn't get too crazy into details because, quite frankly, you either already know the story or you can find literally hundreds of other podcasts on just DeSalvo and the Strangler murders. Of course, not doing it like we do. So really, there's no reason to rehash all that shit. Definitely not as sexy as we do it. Absolutely. Sultry. I mean, I'm talking about us, not like this. Yeah, no, not the case. That would be weird. Us talking. Yeah. Yeah. We want to look into other circumstances surrounding the case and which are way... This is such a... The reason I wanted to do this one so badly is because I actually was watching some sort of documentary murder thing or whatever, and this one popped up. Yeah. And it's just fucking baffling to me. Like It's weird. Baffling. It's, it's just weird, man. Yeah. Like, it's weird to me because so many people are fucking 100% convinced that it's DeSalvo that did all of them. And I it's like, case fucking closed because he admitted it. Right. Which is... It's, <sighs> Especially today, we've seen in the past people that have admitted to killings or murders, whatever. Oh, yeah. And then a couple years later, they find someone who really did it due to DNA evidence or whatever. And it's like, why the fuck did you admit to it? You know, and we'll talk about a little bit more yeah. about that later. But there's a ton of. I mean, if you look at the, crazy, what's his name, man. Brendan Dassey from uh, How to What is it? How to Make a Murderer? What, what's that show? I still I've never seen that. It's How to Yeah, Making a Murderer. Making a Murderer. I haven't it. watched it. I still haven't watched that it's whole thing. It's fucked. But. It's fucked. I've never hated cops more in my life because I love police officers. Yeah. I, I do. I have a lot of friends that are cops, and you know, so on and so forth. I saw that and I was like, these police officers are fucks. Yeah. Fucking dicks. Anyway, moving on. Let's talk about George Nasser and Effie Bailey. Well, George Nasser was the man that DeSalvo originally confessed to being the strangler. Nasser would contact his lawyer, F. Lee Bailey, to tell him uh, he should come and uh, talk with DeSalvo. If that name sounds familiar, it's probably because Bailey was involved in some pretty noticeable cases throughout his career. Uh, mostly the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Not Flea. F. Lee. Flea. No fucking shit. <laughs> anyway... So it wasn't the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And there's, so there's another local connection in, the, in this episode for us. We've had a lot of these recently. Yeah, there's a lot. I'm telling yeah. you. Um, Bailey, who used to be a Rocky River, Ohio resident, which, which is, is literally 10 minutes down like the road, 10 minutes down the road, was the man who famously got Sam Shepard acquitted of murdering his wife. I got to do this one. I would love to do that one. If you're not familiar with that case, you may soon, as it is another unsolved case from our own backyard that I uh, have a feeling we may cover at some point. And if you don't know the story, it was literally what the movie The Fugitive was based off of. Yeah, so, well, supposedly. Loosely. That's what they're Loosely, saying, yeah. that that was, yeah. It's amazing. And I do, Man with one arm. You should add that to our uh, our Trello. I'm going to put it in yeah, there. Because that's, that's, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot, like, because I know I remember, like, that whole, like, reading about everything. Like that. I always forget that they never... Like, I know that he was acquitted and everything, but I always forget that they never figured out. Like, they never, no one ever got charged, no one like that. Yeah, it's a crazy-ass story. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, maybe we would do that one. What else, what else did Flea Bailey do? Well, he also represented Patty Hearst. Okay. And do we Excellent. know who Patty Hearst is? Do you know who Patty Hearst is? I know is? who Patty Hearst is. Who is she? She was part of the uh, the cult thing that uh, she, at first, they, they thought that she was kidnapped mm-hmm. by the cult. Yep. And they ended up doing, like, a bunch of 
they killed a bunch bank of people with bank robberies and, and stuff. Like that, yeah. And then it turned out that she actually, what is that called when you... Uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome happened and everything else. Supposedly. Yeah, which is a fucked up, so fucked up she situation. Ended up, she still ended up getting convicted yeah. of murder and everything, but he got her off. They were going to convict her and put her to death, but he got her off of the death penalty. He, oh, okay. He cool. was her defense lawyer. Patty Hearst, that's a fucked up story. If you guys ever do, do some crazy. research on that, maybe, look it up. Maybe we could do that. Well, eh. I mean, it's a solved case. Yeah, yeah I don't want to do that one. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. fuck you then. Yeah, I think you guys can go out there and look. I'm sure John, there's tons John, of fucking podcasts. John just told you guys to fuck off. <laughs> hey, why don't you fuck off, eh? I'm just kidding. And, <laughs> oh, by the way, guess who else he worked with? Hey, who else did he work with? OJ fucking Simpson. Really? Yeah. He was on the defense mm. counsel for OJ's case. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Believe it or not. And, He's, uh. Yeah. Well, read on, but people think that basically he's the reason that OJ got off. I wouldn't doubt it. So, um, he sexually, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey's cross examination of Detective Mark Furman is considered to be uh, by some to be the key to Simpson's acquittal, as Moody just said. Uh, the man was pretty good at what he did, even if he is a jackass. The confessions uh, confessions came when DeSalvo was arrested and sent to Bridgewater State Mental Hospital. Dr. James Roby, or excuse me, Ames Roby, was the medical director saying, quote, Ames? I think it's Ames. Yeah, it's Ames. I think it was supposed to might be Amy. Oh, it might be. It's Amy? Is it say Ames? A-M-E-S. Why don't you look that up real quick and just... Dude, unless I was reading everything wrong and just reading it as Amy, I thought it was Amy. Well, I don't... I don't know. You better look that up. <laughs> I, I'm going to. Because we have to give credit where credit is due. If it's Amy. Ab absolutely. So anyway, the medical director says, quote, well, the first thing that was so obvious about Albert was his incredible need to be somebody important. He would brag about almost anything. He gave the feeling, although he didn't uh, say so at the time, that he sort of wanted to be as well known as, quote, the Boston Strangler. So he's just looking for some fucking notoriety. The guy's got this thing about him where he maybe, I don't know, he wasn't fucking hugged enough or he was hugged too much as a kid i don't know whatever so he just he's looking for this anyway three months later George yeah, it is it is ames okay ames so, yeah. yeah there you go ames I'm, i literally was reading it as amy the whole time oh it's ames yeah oh, i'm an asshole <laughs> three months later uh three months later george nasser another inmate at bridgewater had an odd conversation about the boston strangler with his lawyer f lee bailey Flea. Bailey recalled his talk with Nasser saying, quote, he asked me whether or not it would be possible for someone who had done the stranglings to write a book. And my off offhand answer was sure, but he might go to the electric chair as a consequence. Later on, I was asked to go down and see this fellow, Albert DeSalvo, by my client. Mm -hmm. So look, though, uh, <clears throat> this is the same thing to where if he wanted notoriety and he thought he could make a shitload of money off of making a book out of it, he could just go from there and wing it. And wing it. Write a book, pretend he's the thing, make some money for his family to take care of. And that's his way of taking care of his family, even though it fucks him. So this is uh, this is you know before I mean? they um, they outlawed that outlaw. Yeah, now but you they, can't make money you off You can't of make it. money no. off that shit at all. You can't yeah. do it. Someone else can write the book. Sure. But you but personally. You, can't, you yeah. cannot financially benefit from your crimes. Correct. You can't get any of that money. No. So, so it, Bailey expected to come face to face with a monster. Instead, he met a married man with two children who seemed concerned about his family. Quote, I was a little in, in, incredulous, excuse me, because everybody develops a profile. You're looking for a monster, somebody that, you know, the jowls are dripping and it just doesn't, didn't seem to fit. Um, he goes on to say he wanted to be able to tell his story. He said, I would like to find out why I'm like this. Maybe people can give me tests or something. According to Bailey, DeSalvo confessed he was the Boston Strangler. 
saying, quote, I had no way of knowing whether or not he was telling the truth, fantasizing because he was crazy or had read a lot of things in the newspapers and wanted to be famous. Mm-hmm. Mm, I wonder how you can get information on well, stuff like and that. The other thing was newspapers, right? I believe. Uh, well, yeah. Well, not anymore. Newspapers dead. But well, um, you know what I'm saying? Media. They were saying that at that point, too. They weren't like uh, now, like when they when they do investigations like that, they kind of hold things back. They don't tell, they won't put out all the details. They were talking about, um, I think I bring it up a little bit later about how just like literally like every every fucking detail was in the newspaper, everything. So it would be very easy for someone who read everything and that had the want to do it to right. memorize details to do things to and and to play it off as they were there well i mean especially literally every detail was in there and if he's in, in the newspapers yeah yeah exactly that's what i'm saying so if he if he wanted to say yes i'm the guy then all you do is just say well it would yeah be fairly easy yeah. yeah it's easy well e- it was easier easier yeah. yeah two days later bailey returned to bridgewater with a tape recorder and a list of questions with DeSalvo's permission bailey had struck a deal with the boston police they would provide Bailey with details only the Strangler would know as a way of testing DeSalvo. In return, Bailey was guaranteed that the tapes would never be heard in court. Deputy uh, Superintendent John Donovan. <laughs> Think about that. They're too. just trying to prove it's the guy. But I'm saying, like, if they're trying to prove it's the guy, why the fuck wouldn't they want those tapes in court? Yeah. Because if they're like, we'll give you these details, but. We'll never play those tapes for anybody in court. Right, because then the, the defense... Because what if he... What if all of his answers are wrong? Yeah, it seems that's like... That's what it, I'm saying. It seems like it's I mean? only like, helping the defense. That's shady yeah. as fuck. Yeah. It seems like it's only helping the defense. Like, it's not helping the prosecution yeah, in any way. Absolutely. Because if, like, he said he is, and did or did you not have, exp- you know, explicit yeah. details of shit? Yeah, no, I didn't. Wait a minute, but you said, where are the tapes, bitch? Or, or whatever. You even know what I mean? if the, And even if the prosecution hears the tapes... They can't use them in court. That's what I'm saying. They can't use it against them. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? That, so it's that's like, exactly what I'm yeah. saying. So it helps the defense, but not the, yeah. Because anyway. at that point, it's all speculation, hearsay, all that kind of shit. Right. So Deputy Superintendent John Donovan, retired chief of homicide in the Boston Police Department, said he was intrigued by what he heard. Quote, his descriptions of the true, of the crime scenes were just so accurate that, uh, that that impressed me very much. But when Dr. Ames Roby heard the tape, you know, Amy Roby, Heard the tape. <laughs> Sorry. It's just Ames is a weird name. And yeah, I mean, just, yeah, yeah, my yeah. brain was like, that is not right. Yeah. Well, he was not so impressed. He believed there was another explanation for DeSavo's knowledge of the crime scenes. Quote, Albert indicated to us that he had gone to the various sites that the newspapers had named after the police tapes were uh, was off the doors in the apartments just to sort of be there and see what it was like. There you go. Oh, this guy, this fucking guy. So he's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be a part of it so bad. Yeah. Like yeah. so bad. He just wants to. The, I think it's just that recognition and he thinks he's going to set his family up for yeah. life. That's it. That's all he he's can trying. He can make money and set his family right. up. So Dr. Roby says that DeSavo had a photographic memory. He may have visited the victim's apartments or perhaps he was just repeating what someone else had described to him. Hmm. Then Roby began to believe that DeSavo's friend, George Nasser, was somehow involved. Quote. Oh, wait. They're just get it. Quote, I first began to wonder about something going on when no other inmates would come near them and they would uh, immediately stop talking if the guards or staff came anywhere near where they could be or could, could be heard. But they uh, would have extensive conversations about what, of course, we didn't know. So this dude, I don't know, Nasser, we'll keep going about Nasser. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Because that's my guy. He I'm sounds just saying. Like a total, he sounds like a total fucking yeah. dickhead. But dude. he sounds like my guy. He like sounds his, like his, not my guy, like my dude. Like he's the guy. In oh, my he's opinion. your guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, I don't like that. No, no, he's not my guy. No, like some of like his quotes and the shit that he says, it's like, man, fuck off. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how you are. Right. You know? A career criminal, George Nasser, had been in prison for killing a gas station attendant shortly after the strangler killed his last victim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nasser agreed to discuss his role in the case and his relationship with Albert DeSalvo for the first time, saying, quote, With Albert DeSalvo, I was simply an associate. I've done the same thing with many, many prisoners. People come to me and ask for advice. I yeah. give it to them if they say, uh, it, 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 wait, I give it to them if they say, if it's worthy of me assisting them, I assist them. For my reasons, because I feel it's a worthy thing to do. Oh, what a hell of a guy. I, doesn't this guy sound like the kind of guy that you just want to fucking beat the shit out of you right now? You just want to punch directly Because you mouth. know it's bullshit. Right. You know, he's full of shit. So the Massachusetts Attorney General ordered the uh, that news of DeSalvo's confession be kept under wraps. Within the police department, <clears throat> there was a split over whether DeSalvo was, in fact, the killer. Then someone leaked the story of the confession to the local papers. But of course they did. Fucking leaks. There's always a goddamn leak. Yep. In response to the story, two women came forward. One was a a survivor of a possible strangler attack. The other was a neighbor of one of the victims. They were brought to Bridgewater to see if they recognized any of the inmates. Surprisingly, the one familiar face that did not belong to Albert DeSalvo, but to George Nasser. Uh Uh-huh. Is it possible that he was actually... The Boston Strangler. Dr. Ames Roby thought it was possible, saying, quote, George Nasser would fit the profile of the Boston Strangler. We found nothing that would rule him out, not even one iota. Iota is a good word, too. No, that one, that one, like, one of my favorite jokes of, of in a TV show it has to do with the word iota, and it's in Futurama. And it's, uh, if you're familiar with Futurama, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, then I'm just going to sound like an idiot. But it's where uh, Leela is a baseball player. It's called Blurns Ball in, uh, in Futurama. And uh, she's trying to, to be not the worst player of all time. So they, they go to Hank Williams, like the 24th or something. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I just want to be what? Because he, he's considered the worst Blurns Ball player of all time. She's like, I just want to be one tiny iota better than you. He's like, oh, I can't help you play like tiny iota. He was great. <laughs> and for some reason, I fucking die every time I hear that. Tiny iota. <laughs> it sounds like a, ba- a baseball player. Uh, George Nasser, however, denied the accusation. Saying, of course he did. No. He also denied that he fucking killed the guy that he obviously killed. Correct. He says, quote, I do not kill women. I've oh, never conceived no. of it. I wouldn't conceive of it. Oh. I have great respect and regard for oh. women, beginning with my mother who brought me up that way. What a stand-up fucking individual. Oh, he's a peach. He's a fucking I seriously, peach. if this guy wasn't 90-something years old, I'd fucking want to beat him. <laughs> no, you know what? I want to beat him up. Yeah, fucking break his hair. Yeah. Just push him over. He'll die. Right. F. Lee Bailey wasn't convinced his client fit the profile of the strangler. Quote, George Nasser was eliminated as the strangler. I don't think he had the profile to strangle. Of course he's going to George Nasser used a gun. Oh, oh, so much better. Yes, that's that's definitely better. Fucking dick. <laughs> Albert Asavo was the state's prime suspect, even though there was no physical evidence that linked him to any of the killings. But, but, but he said he did it. <laughs> but he admitted to it. <laughs> That should be good enough. That, that's fine. Sure. Rack him up. Fuck him. Yeah. Zzzt. Done. <laughs> anyway, F. Lee Bailey suggested that DeSalvo undergo hot hypnosis. He recalled the session. <laughs> yeah, because that's 
works. Yeah. Quote, we had him hypnotized and age regressed right through one of the homicides. Oh, and the things that developed in the presence of a very bright medical hypnosis, hyp- hypnotist, hypnosist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Woo. Yeah. Hypnotist were of great interest. So there, they, so F. Lee Bailey. <laughs> And this is this. Listen, I'm I'm gonna pause just for a second, and pause. I'm gonna say what I think is going on. Okay, please I think do. Nasser was the guy. Okay, I think Effley Bailey wanted to pin it on um, DeSalvo, DeSalvo, in order for them to actually write the book and get all the shit later, and everyone become fucking rich and famous off this fucking it's thing. It's possible. That's where I'm leading this whole thing. So I think F. Lee Bailey was just as much involved in the cover up. It's possible he had some shady shit that happened to him in his his later yeah, uh, dealings. Right. So it's definitely possible. The session uh, revealed that DeSalvo had had problems with every significant woman in his life. Of course it did, except for his wife, apparently. I thought he was a loving father and family man. That's what everybody says about him. Mm. According to F. Lee Bailey, quote, We found an involvement of his wife, who he'd married in Germany, his daughter, who had a physical disability that troubled him greatly, his mother, whom he had a love-hate relationship, and it was just the beginning. That sounds like every fucking person in the world. Correct. Yeah. like I mean, not me, though, because I love my mom, but... Yeah, well, my mom's great. That's awesome. My uh, fourth anniversary of my mother passing was just last Sunday. Oh, yeah. So, well, got a funny story about it too, just to kind of. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. Bring some levity. Not that. Jesus, so we were all man. sitting around for Easter dinner. The kids, my niece, you know, wife, everybody were all sitting around. And you already had Easter dinner. Yeah, we had to just because the way it lined up with the kids and stuff. Fucking heathen. Yeah, and we're having another one for the grownups oh. tomorrow. Yeah, like a lamb. So you're just drinking. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's no dinner. Yeah, <laughs> liquid dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we're sitting around, and I say, "Yo, happy Easter!" And we cheers to whatever. My niece reminded me because my niece actually lived with my mother when she was around. Okay. And she actually uh, had custody of her. So oh, we're sitting okay. around. She's like, "Oh, by the way, I don't know if you remember or not, but today's the fourth anniversary of." Uh, they called her Nana. That was mm-hmm. her name sure. of passing away. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, and I was like, all right, well, to Nana, you know, all of a sudden, my five-year-old granddaughter lifts her cup up and goes, oh, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> and, dude, I just That's lost. Awesome. It was so funny. Yeah. That's awesome. So Dr. Roby observed the session and came to a completely different conclusion. So the doctor has a little bit of, a, you know, somebody who knows what they're talking about. Doctor? Has a little bit different of opinion, lawyer. right, than the lawyer who has, you know. <laughs> Creepy hypnotist. Right. <laughs> Dr. Roby says, quote, the answers were almost implied in the question, which, at least from my training, is something you don't do. I was not at all convinced that anything had been uncovered and was a little surprised later when Mr. Bailey announced what had occurred under hypnosis was definitive evidence. Albert, even with the crimes he was charged with, he was considered gentle and uh, gentle, polite. His sexual uh, proclivities, his general attitude, he was not angry and hostile. Mm -hmm. This is coming from the doctor. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they were feeding him questions. He was definitely studying this guy. Yeah. It was probably shit like, so when you were 18, you murdered blah, 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 correct? Yes, I did. More like, so uh, what color was the blue couch when you were in there? Yeah, shit like that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, uh, It was blue. (laughs) Yeah, it was blue. Of course. Yeah, duh. In the summer of 1965, the Massachusetts Attorney General's office conducted its own interrogations. The transcripts of those interviews were never released. Of course. Convenient. Yeah, but author Susan Kelly obtained a copy while researching her book called Deadly Charade. So check that book out. Uh, Susan Kelly, Deadly Charade. Deadly Charade. Right. Susan came to believe that Albert DeSalvo was playing along. Quote, when you read the transcript and you come to a point where Albert gives an incorrect answer to a question, he is guided to give the correct answer. And Albert, who was a smart guy, caught on very quickly. This man was not the Boston Strangler. He didn't kill anyone. 
so that's basically what they're saying is he'd be like well then i uh after that i put this on the couch and they'd be like oh you mean the chair oh yeah the chair i put it on the chair right 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 that's, like that's that. how they do it yeah you mean you mean the chair right oh yeah 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 the chair yeah it yeah. was that you're right it was the chair i'm sorry yeah. i just i'm getting mixed up mm -hmm. like shit like that fucking horrible and so he knew how to fucking play along with right him. f lee bailey strong well because there was a there was a there was a paycheck at the end of this in his mind that's what he was looking for. period that's all it was he just want to take care of his family yes which i mean as stupid as it sounds it's can't blame the guy yeah i mean if you think about it, it okay especially if he's got a disabled kid and it's like let's let's hypothetically take not even hypothetically let's say he's not the fucking killer at all okay okay like we know definitively that okay. he's not sure. that just proves the kind of person he was and kind of uh father and husband trying to take care of his family because he would take he something like this, take this and go to jail for the rest of his fucking life to take care of, to take care of his family you know but on the other side yeah he may have killed people you know what i mean so he could be a piece of shit yeah whatever yeah so f lee bailey strongly disagreed about uh you know the susan uh, well of course he did yeah, it doesn't susan help Kelly's him at all observation here quote they had the right guy beyond question no one has ever come up with anything meaningful to contradict that the question is, how could we try him as the strangler and close the file in the public's mind? F. Lee Bailey struck a deal with the state. Albert DeSalvo went on trial, but not as the Boston Strangler. Instead, he was tried for sexual assault and other crimes in connection with the Green Man case, which was the predatory Green Man right. guy that was dressed in green. Because yep. remember earlier when someone said they saw someone just in green and they were knocking Correct. on the doors trying to paint shit? <sighs> That's what he got tried for. In return, the state agreed not to press for the death penalty. Oh, very nice. Oh. That's good. That's good. According to Bailey, it was the, the right thing to do. Oh, because he's so valiant. Dude's a fuck, too. Quote, that's all we wanted. Nobody ever wanted Albert on the street, including Albert. And to ask not to be executed so that he could be studied seemed to me a reasonable objective. After less than four hours of deliberation, the jury reached its verdict. Guilty on eight criminal counts. DeSalvo had wanted to be sent to a mental hospital, but his insanity defense failed. Yikes. Yeah. He was sentenced to life in prison. Susan Kelly had suspicions as to why. Quote, it was a much more severe sentence than he would have received normally on the sex charges of which had been uh, he'd been convicted. Mm -hmm. But he was being sent to the prison as the Boston Strangler. It was that simple. So he wasn't convicted of it, wasn't tried they, for it. Yeah. But in the, <clears throat> the, the, the public eye... He was the Boston Strangler, and they got their guy. So this is the thing with that, too, is, like, if you're that fucking positive that he's the Boston Strangler, try his ass for the murders. Exactly. If exactly. you're 100%, if you know, if F. Lee Bailey was 100, his ass should have taken the prosecution and fucking taken him to court and tried him as the goddamn Strangler. So what they did is they spun it, saying, listen, as a, on the defense side of it, and this is what they do a lot of the times, they go, listen, we're going to plea this down. We're going to help you. So we're helping you because yeah. we're going to get the... Um, and we'll get the death penalty off the table. Get the death penalty off the table. Now, you're probably going to have to serve the rest of your life in prison, but maybe we can get you in a mental hospital, yeah. which is a little bit better, and you yeah. know, we can study you. And then he gets in there and after the plea deal, take it and him. they slam him to the fucking wall. Yep. Shit happens all the fucking... Oh, I'm getting yep. hyped up. Ah. <laughs> I mean... Dr. Ames Roby concurred saying quote i think the most difficult part of all this was the feeling that whether they had it solved or not they had quieted the public's concern that's what it was all yep. about so so theoretically everyone was happy oh yeah were they yeah i don't yeah. know were they i don't know i don't think so i probably think of a few people that weren't too happy yeah in prison DeSavo was reunited with his old friend george nasser oh that guy once again questions were raised regarding nasser's possible involvement with the stranglings 
Nasser admitted nothing. Quote, because Al was not tried, this case had become mythical. It became part of, like, a public fantasy of what really happened. It became a continuing mystery when it should have been resolved, and I was part of the mystery. Oh, are you, yeah, are coincidence. You, are you part of the mystery, you yeah. fucking butthole? Outside of prison, DeSalvo had become a legend. But inside, he feared his fame had made him a marked man. After more than six years behind bars, he asked to be transferred to a cell in the prison infirmary. 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 Here, he would be isolated from the other inmates. On the evening of November 25th, 1973, DeSalvo telephoned his former psychiatrist, Dr. Ames Roby. Quote, he wanted to talk to me to tell me the, quote, real story. He didn't say what the real story was, and I can only hope that this is what I would hear, but I never heard it. DeSalvo told Dr. Roby that he also intended to tell a reporter the same story. Hmm. But before he talked to anyone, he was found in his cell, murdered, stabbed repeatedly in the chest. Some believe that DeSalvo was involved in a drug deal gone bad. Others, including George Nasser, said DeSalvo was killed in a dispute over cuts of meat he was allegedly selling in the prison Get black the market. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> to Dr. Roby, it was clear what had happened. Somebody didn't want that interview happening, and I think they've uh, and I think they've said before, dead men tell no tales. Three inmates were eventually charged with Albert DeSalvo's murder, but no one was ever fucking convicted. Nope, not of the murder. Three guys were tried for it, and no one was convicted of it. In my head? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't look good for anybody. In my head, it's fucking got Nasser all over it. You know what I mean? It's got George Nasser all the fucking over it. I mean, like, just, what do you mean you're going to go tell him the truth? What do you mean you, you're going to tell him the truth? If you were just to tell somebody that that portion of the story, from when he met George Nasser to the end of that story, mm -hmm. where we just stopped, sounds shady as fuck. Super. Like, Super shady. You would, there's no reason to not think that he had something to do with it. Correct. Like the the most common story that I read about why he was killed had something to do with uh, basically um, <clears throat> they were saying that he was selling amphetamines and he was <laughs> it was put really weird in one thing. It was like basically he was selling amphetamines to other prisoners at a Na Nasser was no DeSalvo DeSalvo and this okay. is why he was killed. He was selling amphetamines to other prisoners at a price that was lower than basically like they called it like basically the code of prisoners like the inmates like they were like okay you could sell amphetamines but you got to sell them for this much money that way there's no issues with this guy selling them for less and whatever blah 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 yeah fair fair, so fair were, trade fair yeah. market yeah oh, yeah okay. so basically it's like everyone sells them for the same amount so you can't horn in on this guy's business and you can't so they're saying that he was killed because he was selling amphetamines for less than everybody else was oh so while Nasser and Bailey are convinced that DeSalvo was the strangler, there are many people, like me, that think Nasser had something to do with the murders and used DeSalvo and Bailey to get DeSalvo convicted. Dr. Roby said, quote, I think Albert became the Boston Strangler because he wanted so much to be the Boston Strangler. It was yeah. the most important thing in his life. For somebody that felt all his life that he was nobody, a nobody, all of a sudden he could become world-renowned. And a yeah. lot of times that shit happens, That's dude. what you see. Who was it he fucking, um, why can't I think of the guy's name? Oh, like he admitted to fucking like over a hundred murders and he actually had like uh police in like so many different states. This is back in the seventies. Um, so many different states going out and looking for these fucking things. And some of them came true like were true, but most of them weren't. The dude was just fucking Yeah. He was trying to be that guy. Yeah. He was trying to be like the most prolific, prolific serial yeah. killer yeah. ever, you know? 
Like, what the fuck? What is wrong with people? Yeah. <laughs> Author Susan Kelly, who has written a couple books about the Strangler case, said of DeSalvo being the killer, quote, after eight years of research on this case, one thing I'm certain of is that Albert DeSalvo was not the Boston Strangler. There are a number of very good suspects. None of them happen to be Albert DeSalvo. Shortly after his murder, authorities came across a collection of poems that DeSalvo had written while in prison. One of them provided an intriguing footnote to the legend of the Boston Strangler, and it read, Here's the story of the Strangler yet untold. The man who claims he murdered 13 women, young and old. Today he sits in a prison cell. Deep inside, only a secret he can tell. People everywhere are still in doubt. Is the Strangler in prison or roaming about? I mean, come on! Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sounds like a dude who's trying to say something. Fuck! So, yeah, I, honestly, man, like... <laughs> So I mean, once okay, once we get through the rest of this, mm. I'll, I'll tell you how I what I think cool. is going on. We but, all kind of uh, know what I think. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's just I've been blatant. That's fine. Yeah, but I th I think there's there's like so much randomness around this whole fucking case that I think Nasser was involved in some way, but I don't even think he was quote unquote the Boston Strangler, and and you'll see you'll kind of see why I think yeah. that later. But like this is to be honest, most of the so shit fucking weird with man. knowing how like uh, methods of operation and things like that work, because all I do is listen to fucking mm -hmm. murder podcasts and mm -hmm. fucking shit. I, I don't honestly think that the same that one person did all those. Right. And that's and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't. We, you know, it gets into it a little bit, um, but it's it's just like. I don't know, man. It's so weird. Yeah, I, it's a fucked up story. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. really is. I mean. Oh, well, yeah. once we get through the rest of it, I'll yeah, tell yeah, you yeah. kind of what, yeah. So Nasser was in prison twice. He was convicted along with two buddies in the killing of a store clerk, a clerk during a robbery spree. He was paroled for his offense in 1961. The Boston Strangler slayings would begin the following year. The next murder, for which he is still serving his life sentence, would be the one that brought him in contact with DeSalvo. He's like 90-something years old now. Is he still in prison? Yeah. Good, fuck him. He was convicted of killing a gas station clerk after an eyewitness identified him as the shooter. He has maintained his innocence, of course he does, and has requested several retrials. All of his appeals have been denied. Fuck you. While two of the murders took place after Nasser was caught for this crime. So I actually messed that up. Oh, okay. The murders took place before he was caught, but they found the bodies after. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I see what you're saying. So yeah. he, he was free when they happened. Yes, but then they found the bodies like a month after he was caught for this. Okay. So I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. All right. So while two of the murders took place after Nasser was caught for the first crimes uh, that, that hasn't stopped people from speculating that he was somehow involved in the other slayings, possibly with DeSalvo. Oh. Mm. Some followers of the case have also straight up declared Nasser to be the real strangler, claiming that he fed details of the murders to DeSalvo. Thank you. Mm -hmm. DeSalvo, they speculated, knew that he would spend the rest of his life in jail for the Green Man attacks. That's the other part of this. If he's getting the shit they convicted him on, they he knew. They had him for right. that anyway. So why not take the fucking notoriety of and this try to get something out of and it. get something out of it? It just fucking makes sense. And everyone's like, no, no, that's not that's not it. He did everything. Yeah, yeah he did a lot. No, it's, yeah, no. What are you talking about? Anyway, he confessed so that Nasser could collect reward money that they would split, thus providing support to DeSalvo's wife and two children. Another motive was his tremendous need for notoriety, as we've mentioned. DeSalvo hoped that the case would make him world famous. Now, and it did. It did, definitely. Maybe not the way he hoped yeah. it would be. <laughs> no. Besides DeSalvo and Nasser, there were suspects in several of the other murders. And this is where it gets weird, dude. Yeah. Leading many uh, to suspect that not all the murders were committed by one person. Uh, thank you. The fact that the victims were so wide-ranging in age and type, and that aside from strangling, there were many 
um, inconsistencies in MO from case to case led many to believe there wasn't one perpetrator, but several. Thank you. That's what mm -hmm. I just fucking said. Mm -hmm. <sighs> For instance, on June 14th, 1962, the Strangler claimed his first victim, 56-year-old Anna Sleezers. Earlier that day, a painting crew was working at her apartment. 16 days later, the same painting crew arrived at the apartment building of Helen Blake. She became victim number two. Two of the paint crew's alibis could not be corroborated by their boss or co-workers. For many people, that's enough proof DeSalvo was not the killer of these two. So, and remember... Because there's a correlation there. And not only that, remember, there was in several of the other murders and, and that one possible murder... Um, they they claimed that somebody came to the door saying that they were supposed to paint. They were hired to paint their apartment. Right, and they wouldn't let them in. Right, right. And then this is saying that there was paint. Like there's so there's a connection there to more than one, more than just these two with the whole paint thing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so there's that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Victim number six was Sophie Clark. Police investigating this murder came upon a suspect, a man she used to date. The man was seen entering Sophie's apartment building and fleeing the building a short time later covered in sweat. According to authorities, the man was given polygraph tests on two separate occasions and failed them both. Now listen. <laughs> polygraph tests are completely inadmissible. Correct. And, and you got to kind of take them for what they're worth. Right. And so what they do is they try to get you to confess that you did it because you failed the polygraph test. When in reality... Polygraph tests fail for multiple reasons, yeah. and people can pass them for multiple fucking reasons. Yeah, you can pass it with by lie. You can yeah. lie and still pass the polygraph. They're garbage. They're fucking garbage. Anyway, but it, but it gets them thinking, oh shit, now they know it's me. I might as well. That yep. fucking happened to uh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, Peterson, the dude that killed his fucking um his Scott, two Scott Peterson. Yeah, he killed his wife Lacey and two kids. Or whatever. Yeah, is yeah. that the one where he killed them and like stuffed them in a fucking thing? In a in an oil thing? No, no, no. That was uh, I know who you're talking about. What the That's fuck not is this Peterson? Name? That's um. They just did a fucking no, thing. Scott Peterson took his wife out, supposedly. Peterson, yeah. And Lacey, and then he like took off to Mexico on a boat or some shit. Yeah, and he was dating some no, other chick or something like that. They just did like a big thing about him, too. Like a yeah. big. Uh, I thought his name was. Uh, no, it's not. Fuck. Anyway, that guy. Yeah. He went in there, and the chick that was given the fucking polygraph test was like, listen, you failed. We've got you. Just tell us the truth. And he fucking broke he folded. down. Broke down. Dude, so you listen, you listen to like. Um, Small town murder and shit, right? Oh, yeah. Love that. By the way, small town murder. Listen to them. And they talk about that where, like, there's cases where they've put their hand on a fucking copy machine. We've talked about that on here before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, like, they'll ask them a question that they know they're lying, and they'll hit it. They'll have, the like, the shit preloaded. Yeah. Like, three questions that they it's, know they'll say, tell the truth. It'll print out false. Yeah. And they'll say, like, your name is so-and-so, correct? They'll be like, yes. And they'll hit the button. It'll print out a thing that says yes. Right. And then they get to one, and it'll come out and says no. And they fucking, like, oh, fuck. Then they admit to, you know. Because people are fucking dumb. People are dumb, and, and if it's they all think, about manipulation. And if they, if you, if you've, the way people work in our minds. And sorry about this episode and us kind of going and on this conjecture and shit. But it's I'm enamored by this stuff. Um, people, if somebody did something and they're guilty, it takes a really, really, really deep seated person to not cave in and say that they did it. Because eventually, the slightest thing will will make you crumble. Right. Sure. Okay. Most on the, normal people. Right. On the other side of that, normal people who are scared shitless, they're like, what the fuck am I doing here? That's how you get false convictions. Exactly. That's how you yep. get people to confess because all they want to do is get somebody and pin it for it, whether or not yep. it's not, not saying all the time, but most, some of the time, they just want to find a fucking, a guilty scapegoat. person. They want a scapegoat, period. 
Because if they can say they caught the guy, then they can go back to their business. Right, and, and put him in fucking prison. Everybody's happy because they think dude, you know. Right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> fuck, going off on tangents here. There was also a strong suspect for victim number seven, Patricia Bissett. The suspect in this case was her boss. This one, this one, I was like, I'm like, how do you not like, uh, whatever, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> uh, detectives found that she was having an affair with her happily married boss at the time of her murder. It was also discovered during the, uh, the autopsy that she was, wait for it, pregnant. Boosh. Sounds like a big stinky pile of motive. Despite these guys all being strong suspects in the respective case, um, authorities just basically said fuck it after DeSalvo confessed. And even though he got many details of the murders constantly, um, he got them wrong. Yeah, they pretty much just stopped looking into these other leads, which is just fucking horrible shit yeah. fucking police work. So so basically, like, that one, the boss, like, if you remember earlier, she was found by her boss. Yeah. Murdered. Yeah. And then they find out that he was having an affair and he, you know, like he's having an affair with this chick. She's pregnant. She winds up dead. He conveniently finds her when she doesn't come into work for a couple of days. Did they even look into him? Or did they say, no? Well, it was one we of those got to things. Solvo. It's fine. That's exactly what it was. They started, they were, they were following these leads, like with the paint crew and with this ex-boyfriend for the other one and, and the boss here. And then when DeSalvo admitted to the killings, they just fucking were like, oh, we got him. We don't have to look into any of this shit anymore. What the fuck? Like this dude, these guys, that's four fucking, four of the, mur four of the 13. With possible other suspects. With very strong other suspects, yeah. especially that one. With fucking immense motive. Like, <laughs> and think about, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I put the quote in here. Just read on a little right. bit, and then if, it, if it's not in there, I'll, I'll bring it up. All right. One person associated with the case had this to say, quote, There's a possibility that some of the older women died at the hands of the same person. Each of the young women who died was murdered by a different individual who had his own motives. If you hated a woman back in the early 1960s, yeah, you could kill her, loosely wrap a stocking around her neck, and hope that the police would think it was the Boston Strangler. Exactly. All the grisly details were printed in the papers at the time. If you wanted to commit a murder, here was your diagram. I was going to fucking say that earlier. Copycat killers and shit That's like that. That's what I was that. saying. All the details were in the newspaper. Yeah. Copycat killers and shit. Like, it's, it's a perfect... Mm -hmm. It's a... Ah, fuck. That's why they don't release all these fucking details Correct. anymore. Correct. To go along with the multiple killer theory, former FBI profiler Robert Ressler. Robert Ressler's amazing, by the yeah, way. He's yeah, the yeah. one that wrote that fucking book. Um, the the big FBI book. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Did all I can't those... think of the name of it. But... He was also, what was the name of that show? Um, my wife and I loved that show that was on um, Netflix. And they just fucking canceled it after fucking, I think, two seasons. Oh, it's like, man, my brain. Anyway... <laughs> So Robert Ressler said, quote, you're putting together so many different patterns regarding the Boston Strangler murders that it's inconceivable behaviorally that all these could fit one individual. And he's a fucking famous profiler. Yeah. Like, that's oh, what yeah. he does. John E. Douglas, the former FBI special agent who was one of the first criminal profile profilers, doubted that DeSalvo was the Boston Strangler. In his book, The Cases That Haunt Us, he identified DeSalvo as, quote, a power or as a power assurance motivated rapist. He said that such a rapist is unlikely to kill in the manner of crimes attributed to the Boston Strangler. A power assurance motivated rapist would, however, be prone to taking credit for the crimes because he wants that fucking power. Wrestler was the guy that coined the term serial killer, too. Right. Yeah. Which, which is the, the fucking show. Damn it. Um, ah! Hold on. I'm looking for it. That's I, what I'm looking for. I'm going right to try now. and see if I can think of it real quick. You're going to try. Everybody out there right now, you're, you're freaking out because you know the answer and I don't. 
and it's fine. You can tweet us later and say, you fucking asshole. This is what it was, but I'm sure we'll figure it out by then. Netflix fucking... I don't fucking know, dude. Not, not, not True Detective. Is it true? No, not True Detective. Mindhunter. Fu- Mindhunter. Fucking, fucking... <laughs> Just pressing buttons because I'm pissed. His book, Mindhunter, Inside the FBI's Elite Serial Crime Unit, was picked up by Netflix. Yes. Mindhunter stars Holt something or other, mm-hmm. uh, who plays a character, Bill Tench, and lead character based on wrestler. Yes, you guys, if you've never seen it, which I'm going to assume. I've heard it's good. If you listen to this show, you've probably watched that. I haven't. Yeah. I really do. It's on the fucking show. I haven't watched it. It's great. You said you're on the show? I'm on this show. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I said, if you've listened to the show, you probably, I said, I'm on yeah. the show. I haven't. Yeah, seen. you've got to watch it. It's fucking great. I was so uh, pissed off know, when I heard they canceled it. I don't really have a lot of time to watch stuff like that. Yeah, well, you should oh. be doing research anyway. So I'm fucking rats <laughs> running around everywhere. So the family of one of the later victims, uh, Mary Sullivan. Fuck but- you, by the way. <laughs> Well, Mary Sullivan, one of the victims, um, believed that DeSalvo was not Mary's killer and even formed an unlikely partnership with DeSalvo's team to try and prove he was innocent and to find Mary's real killer. Yeah. On January 4th, 1964. Who is? These people. Oh. Mary Sullivan was found by her roommate, strangled to death, and sexually assaulted. And a final morbid gesture placed at her feet was the Happy New Year card, this was which we the talked about earlier. Broomstick one. This is the broomstick. The brutal one. The police collected semen left on Mary's body by the killer, but in 1964, there was no match or no way to match it to the suspect. Albert Savo later admitted he'd killed Mary. However, two families have formed a surprising alliance to challenge his confession. The family of Mary Sullivan and the family of Albert DeSalvo, including his brother Richard, saying, quote, I never believed my brother was the Boston Strangler from day one. I just Dick want to <laughs> I just want the name cleared. That's all. Albert was not perfect. Albert did some bad things. Albert was not a murderer. Now, see, that's another thing, too. If, you know, they look at someone, you're already a scumbag in the eyes of everybody because you're a rapist. Yeah. Why wouldn't you kill somebody? Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, what's what's the stretch at that point? Yeah, exactly. Well, if you could do that, of course you could do that. Yeah. Which it's not that fucking cut and dry. No, it's not at all. <sighs> Mary Sullivan's sister, Diane, also believed that DeSalvo was not the killer, saying, quote, I'm going to do everything I can to find her murderer to find the murderer of Mary. Which, that shit is crazy to me. Yeah, that's fucking... Like, if somebody confessed to killing, like, my sister, I'd be like, good, fucking hang him. I don't care. Right. Right, yeah. Especially if there was any kind of evidence towards it, like, even, like, remotely, I'm like, oh, looks good to me. Yeah, fucking kill that guy. Yeah, absolutely. But these people are going, okay, wait a minute. The real murderer's out there. Yeah, they didn't believe it. Someone's getting away with this shit. They didn't believe it. Someone's getting away with this shit. Again, they're going to be disappointed, but whatever. Keep going. According to Casey Sherman, Mary Sullivan's nephew, um, he uh, he contacted the Boston police and asked about possible DNA evidence in the Strangler case. Quote, I made several inquiries in, uh, to the Boston Police Department, and they told me flat out they did not have any physical evidence left in the Boston Strangler case for testing for DNA evidence. So remember that shit. God that, I damn. Didn't, so, okay. <sighs> Spoiler alert. They have DNA evidence. Blah, 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 blah. Right? All right. I I knew about the DNA evidence, right? And then when I was reading this and he fucking said that, I'm like, wait a minute. Right. So they lied to him. Somebody. Or or there was negligence involved where they were like, well, I don't know. Well, well, you would think that they would know at that point because it's such a big fucking case. They said, we have no physical evidence left in that case that we could do any DNA testing for. Okay. And then, I mean, you know, obviously keep going, but just remember that shit. Okay. Because... They literally, the the investigators of that case told 
this guy that there was no physical evidence left for DNA testing to be done in this case. Okay. So Mary Sullivan's family turned to the only evidence available to them, Mary's remains. Casey said the family felt exhumation was the only way they could settle the case. Quote, we had to do the exhumation of my aunt's body. It was a horrible experience. We didn't want to do it, but it was our last and only recourse. We thought, and it was the only chance to find her killer. You guys don't know what exhumation is. That's when they dig up a... Um, already dead body. An already dead body out yeah. of the ground. Yeah. So if somebody's been buried, they bring it back up. It's called being To try exhumed. to get more evidence yeah. or something. Like if they find out like, oh, this... It might have been this instead. Then they can dig them up and see if they miss something like which, in an autopsy or whatever. If you're ever watching these fucking shows like CSI and all this other shit, which are fucking bullshit for the most part, yeah. um, it is an extremely expensive process. Oh, it's almost impossible to get done too. It's, you got there's so much red tape to try to get. You got to go through yeah, legal shit and get fucking approval yeah. by judges and all this other the stuff. Family, to do it. Yeah. family's got to approve it. Like if 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 someone you know was killed. And they wanted to exhume the body, and you didn't want them to. They they can't do it, regardless of whatever they else they do. They have to have your permission to do it. So there's a lot of red tape, even if you agree to it. Like these people wanted it done because it was their their family, right? But even at that point, you still have to go through so yeah, much shit. It's there's channel upon channel because upon there's channel so upon much channel. like so much weird shit surrounding that. <laughs> what are you doing, bro? Just muting those last two. Sorry. And I smacked my head on. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I think everyone heard that too. It was like, Jesus. Doo -doo. anyway, the Sullivans got help from a team of forensic experts, including world renowned professor of law and forensic science, James Stars, saying, quote, we were obviously looking for any seminal fluid and we do know that seminal fluid will fluoresce under UV light. So we looked and seminal fluid fluoresced and it was also in the right location for seminal fluid. It's on pubic hair. Forensic molecular biologist, biologist Dr. David Ferran was another member of the team, saying, so we examined that, hoping to get any DNA from it. We had to be extra careful because obviously her hair is going to have her DNA in it. So one of the tricky parts became isolating DNA only from this material that's stuck in the pubic hair and not from the hair itself. Makes sense. Dr. Ferran successfully isolated a DNA sequence and compared it to Albert DeSalvo's genes using DNA taken from his brother, Richard. The results were virtually indisputable. The semen was not Albert DeSalvo's. It mm. confirmed to Casey Sherman that his family made the right decision in exhuming his aunt's body. Quote, when he said there, that there was DNA, they believed from uh, Mary's killer on her body, and that DNA didn't match Albert DeSalvo, it was just complete vindication as far as I was concerned. The results led James Stars to lay down a challenge. Quote, for those who say that Albert DeSalvo did it, the shoe was on their foot now. It's for them to come forward and show the evidence to prove that Albert DeSalvo did do it. But if Albert DeSalvo did not kill Mary Sullivan, well, then who fucking did? That's a good question. The detectives who first investigated the killing found a strange piece of evidence in her bathroom. According to uh, Diane Dodd, Mary's sister, it is uh, it implicated Mary's abusive ex-boyfriend. Quote, they found an ascot cut up in the toilet. When my sister dated this person, that's all she bought for him or bought him for presents because he loved ascots. So I could see him definitely cutting that ascot, ascot up in the bathroom, and I could absolutely see him killing Mary. Fucking, yeah, that's kind of a fucking yeah. little yeah. point of interest there. Like, hello. Yeah. <sighs> Another suspect emerged based on an eyewitness account. A neighbor saw a man in Mary's apartment at the approximate time of the murder. Mary's roommate had a boyfriend who matched the description given by the neighbor. He may have had access to Mary's apartment and her keys, explaining why there were no signs of forced entry. 
Casey Sherman felt the scenario made sense, saying, quote, her apartment key had gone missing the day before she was killed. Now this key hadn't fallen, uh, hadn't fallen off the keychain. It was taken off. The suspect was brought in for a polygraph test. According to police, his responses were deemed untruthful. Once DeSalvo had confessed, however, investigations into the suspect and Mary's ex-boyfriend were oh, fucking closed. Oh, uh, no, so that's five. Yep. According to author Susan Kelly, the police also had strong suspects in several of the other murders, saying, quote, if Albert wasn't the Boston Strangler, who was the Boston Strangler? From what my research indicates, there wasn't one, there were many. So what conclusions can we draw? What can we draw? Yeah. Well, hold on to your tits, because here's a tidbit <laughs> we've left for the end. In 2013, authorities claimed to have a familiar match to DeSalvo of the substance taken off the body of Mary Sullivan. Excuse me. After this, they exhumed the body of DeSalvo to get a sample for comparison. The sample from DeSalvo matched the one from Mary. So when they took it the first time it didn't match. and compared it, it didn't match. Right. Second time, it matches. So I have it right here. This is This to me is fucked up too. So what they did basically was uh they they decided for some reason they decided to go back to this case for whatever reason it says <clears throat> um initially they obtained a search warrant they, to dig up DeSalvo's remains after initial tests initial tests on the seminal fluid found a familial match to DNA taken from a DeSalvo relative Police followed DeSalvo's nephew to collect DNA from a discarded water bottle to help make the connection. Okay. It says the test implicated DeSalvo and included 99.9% of suspects. And that was from his nephew's DNA. So they're saying it's definitive match then. Right. But uh. authorities wanted a definitive match, so they were able to exhume DeSalvo's body and take DNA from him. It so says... Ooh, see, that adds a fucking whole different fucking thing to it. So why did it match that time and not the first time? Right. Yeah. Well, the conclusion made. That's shady as fuck to me, man. The conclusion made was that this is proof that DeSalvo was the strangler. But in reality, it only proves he killed Mary Sullivan. Maybe. Maybe. Or at the very least raped her. Were the murders all done by DeSalvo? Some seem to think this proves it. Despite the mountains of evidence to the contrary, it seems the authorities deem this worthy, deem deem this worthy, <laughs> worthy of calling it a win and claiming DeSalvo was the sole Boston Strangler. Many people are calling this case officially closed, but despite this, it is hard to find a real consensus on this one. Read 50 articles on the case, get 50 different opinions and answers. So did DeSalvo murder Mary and try to make it look like the Strangler? Was he the only killer of all these women? Did George Nasser have anything to do with it, or F. Lee Bailey? Did the authorities let multiple murderers go due to bogus confessions? Honestly, we may never know. No, absolutely. As of course, Nasser Unless remains. Unless one innocent. of those people happen to come forward at this point, right. like like Let, a deathbed type confession. Let's hope we get a deathbed confession from this asshole. But it sounds to me we won't because he sounds like a butthole. So DeSalvo was, uh, you know, uh, because of you know Nasser maintaining his innocence. My fucking brain's going faster than my mouth. DeSalvo was brutally murdered in prison, and there's a lot of strange discrepancies from case to case. Many of the murders deviated from a single MO suggesting multiple killers or a schizophrenic one. Oh, did we mention George Nasser was schizophrenic? So, what do you guys think out there? We would love to hear what you guys have to say. We would love to think, are you just as pissed off as I am going through this fucking story? So, so here's here's what I think. I am, it's, 
Here's what I think. I mean, we pretty much know what you feel about the whole subject. And I know that you're upset about this whole thing right now. I can see you getting redder and redder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting pissed off. So I believe if, I mean, the DNA evidence thing to me is weird. The fact that it didn't match once, they did it again and it matched the second time. I don't know. Maybe it was contaminated, whatever. Sounds like they did a pretty good job the first time. Right. But who knows? And so even if that's the case, I do believe that maybe DeSalvo killed one person. Right. Right. If you're because, saying that if that DNA is then, 100%. Right. If it is. There's one. I don't, think, I don't think he necessarily killed everybody else. Right. I, I think that... I think that uh, the first two murders sound very, with the whole paint crew thing, like that sounds very shady to me. 100%. Especially with the stuff later on where people were saying that they had somebody come and say that they were supposed to paint the apartment. Right. Right. So. Yeah, and it sounds shady I feel shit. I feel like that may have been the initial strangler murders, one or two guys from a paint, like that did that. And then the rest, I think that those the older women, some of the older women were all done by those perpetrators of the first two murders. Okay. Okay. And I think that all these other ones with suspects, I think are, are murders of convenience. I think yeah. that like the guy with the girl who was pregnant and cheating and all that noise, dude, he was like, I mean, obviously I feel like these people had to have been capable of killing. And if you're capable of killing somebody already and you are given a fucking out like that, to where there's already a serial killer or supposed serial killer going on, right? Right. And you're like, I need to fucking make this person disappear. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, it's a woman. There's a serial killer going around. <laughs> Done. You right. killer, you make it look like the strangler. And there's a pretty good chance that you're going to get away with it. Right. You know? And I think it, the crazy thing to me is if, it, if, he, if he had not confessed to that murder, the, these murders... You could have fucking 10 other people in there. You could have five other people in jail right now for these murders, right? Absolutely. So I, I honestly and, think... And people that may have went on to kill other people. And even with, even with Nasser, when he was out, like, I, I looked... <laughs> I think that he may have been involved in several of the killings. And I think that he may have been involved with DeSalvo or known DeSalvo in some way outside of that and right. been able to use him. Because if the DNA evidence is there, DeSalvo was obviously involved in at least one of the one of the killings. Right. At the very least, he raped the, he raped her, right? So who's to say that him and him and like uh, uh, Nasser weren't working together? DeSalvo raped her, Nasser killed her. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's just so much weird shit. I I feel like out of the thirteen murders, I I think that maybe you could. I think that maybe like five or six were done by one couple were done maybe by somebody else. And then there was just a bunch of random that were attributed to the, the strangler, but they were more crimes of convenience. But, but you and I can both agree. It was not one person that killed all these people. It was not one person and it wasn't fucking DeSalvo by himself. No, absolutely not. Even if he was, even if he did four of these murders, let's say he was a part of it. He wasn't, he, he there's wasn't, no way he acted alone. He wasn't the guy. No. And that's where I am. Well, Especially one, when you look at all the all the just the fact that everybody that he knew that he was close to was like, there's no fucking way that he could kill these people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, on you, can't, that note, you though, can't necessarily say that for sure because you definitely never know what's inside you never somebody's know. head. Right, exactly. You so, I mean, I mean but, but again, I just think there's too much. There's too much. It's it's like all it's all speculation. You have you have the confession, but like we said earlier, how many times have we seen that in in more recent years? Somebody will confess, mm-hmm. and then they'll exonerate that person later because of DNA evidence or something like that, right? Or because somebody else will come forward and be like, no, no it was me. Yeah. I have proof. It was me. I killed these people. Whatever. So, yeah. I, I just think it's I think it's absolutely ridiculous that as soon as this dude confessed. They just stop looking into all these Absolutely. other people. Let's close it. It's done. It's fucking piss poor work. Let's man. make the people happy. That's yeah. it. That's all they were worried about. You put about. them in jail. You hold them, and then you still look into the other shit just in case. Just in case. Absolutely. It should be an ongoing fucking thing until you have definitive proof of each one of those. Yeah. Like you have to have circumstantial evidence is shit. No. Nah. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. You need solid fucking evidence that yeah. links these people to it, whether it's DNA or and then you, firsthand sightings yeah. or something like that. You know? And, and remember what they said? The uh, they brought those two people in, yeah, into the lineup, and they didn't recognize the salvo, but they recognized Nasser. Exactly. I'm telling like, you, Nasser on, is dude. a bigger part of the fucking picture than everyone thinks. It's it, this is why this this is why this is a crazy case because so many people are just it. like you hear Boston Strangler, you think Albert DeSalvo. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know it was him. Was it? Like, exactly. I mean, that's why we, I wanted to do this yeah. one so badly. So it's it's a quote unquote solved case, yeah. but it's an unsolved case. Yeah. It's only especially the fact. I think even more telling to me is the fact that like F. Lee Bailey and these guys were so. They say that they were so sure they're hundred percent convinced that he was the Boston Strangler, but they didn't even try to get him on the murders. Yeah, which is fucking. It is it, none of it makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So one last fun tidbit for you guys, and this is pretty fucked up. And I was like, I got to put this in Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. In 1971, the Texas legislature unanimously (laughs) passed a resolution honoring Albert DeSalvo for his work in population control. (laughs) Yeah, you heard that right. After the vote, Waco Representative Tom Moore Jr. admitted that he had submitted the legislation as an April Fool's Day joke against his colleagues. His declared intent was to prove that they passed legislation with no due diligence given to researching the issues beforehand. (laughs) Having made his point, he withdrew the resolution. That's pretty fucking crazy. Dude, he just called out the whole fucking Texas legislature. He's like, like, you guys suck. Check this shit out. (laughs) You fucking morons. Does anyone remember this? Does anyone anyone even look at it? Do you guys even know who he is? You guys didn't even look at this shit, did you? You didn't even click on it, you that, fucks. That fucking, that, I read that, I just started dying. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, it's so fucked up. Because you know what? That sounds like something I would do if I was a government official. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, you're kind of calling see, them out too. I want to see if I can slide this one in there to make them look like idiots. Yeah, because well, they're obviously not doing the job. Well, it's exactly what he said. Yeah. He said that they just passed shit without looking at it, that's, and they fucking did. It's the way to get it fixed right there. That's absolutely, that's the I'm best sure. way to get it fixed. That pissed off a lot of people. Oh, I'm sure. He probably didn't. He probably wasn't representative say, for too I long. Wonder, actually, he might have been even more. People were probably like, this fucking guy is great. Yeah, yeah that's true. In there. Yeah. I'm sure, well, no one, I'm sure no one liked him after that, though. So that was the story of the Boston Strangler and Albert DeSalvo. Yep, exactly. Not the Boston Strangler, Albert DeSalvo. Yeah. It's exactly. And and it's the whole inter- craziness involved. I think involved. they're intertwined, but I don't think it's all one and the yeah. same, man. If you guys have any thoughts on this, I would love if to hear. If we missed anything cuz like I was yeah. telling I was telling John when I was looking like without going super rabbit hole on this, like uh I this is the basis this is the basic stuff that I could find on 
the the evidence or possibilities against him being the Boston Strangler or right. at least being the only Boston Strangler. If there's something we missed, please let me know because I I didn't really have time to, to fucking rabbit hole this one. And yeah. I know there's some stuff out there that I didn't get. So if you guys have anything that I missed, please please post it up on our page or on the in the group form cuz I know there's some stuff that I missed, and I'd love to hear if, if I missed anything, but what what exactly I missed. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, give us your thoughts on it. If you guys have any insights. If I'm you a guys, fallible human being. If I you're pissed things. off as much as I am, if you think that DeSalvo is 100% guilty, I would love to hear why. Or if you just, you know. I would love to hear that. Just any thoughts on this case, because mm-hmm. it's just crazy. It's a fucking and crazy And I know case. there's people out there that listen to this that have pretty good insights into this case. Yeah. So. Definitely let us know. So that was the uh, the Boston Strangler case. Bastard. Bass and Strangler. The, the Bass and Strangler and Flea Bailey. It's not. It's F. Lee Bailey. It's Flea. All right. Well, guess what? Now it's time for my favorite you, part. Bet you that was his nickname. Flea? Like people call him Flea. What up, Flea? I don't call him Flea. <laughs> I'm like, F. Lee. That's stupid. You're Flea. <laughs> I wonder what the F stands for. Didn't he die recently, son? Uh, I don't know. I was looking that up, and I didn't see it. His first name's Francis. Oh, yeah. I'd go by F. Lee, too. Yeah. Francis Lee Bailey. Oh, yeah. I mean, you go by Frank. Yeah, frankly, that's a good, that's a strong name. Frank Lee Bailey. Frank Bailey. Sounds like an old like fucking cop show guy. (laughs) Frank Bailey, detective. Frank Bailey's on the case. (laughs) Officer Bailey Gates. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's go on to my favorite part of the show. It's the movies. And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show. The movie review. Which top ten movies? So we are talking about the top 10 horror movies from Massachusetts. Yes, they uh, these are the ones that take this is a ranker list, so it's not an IMDb list. So, okay, this is voted on by the Fizans. Nice. And uh, it's the top 10 movies that take place in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. So, number Ethel 10. Ba- Ethel Bailey's still alive. Looks like. He is still alive? He's 87 years what old. What the hell was I thinking that just passed away recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't him. That lady passed away. What's her name? The judge. Mm-hmm. Supreme Court. Ginsburg? Ruth? Ruth Bader That Ginsburg? happened a while ago. That was like a year ago. Yeah. Was... No, this just happened like a couple weeks ago, the one I'm thinking of. Oh, I got nothing. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, on a side note, there were some good ones way farther down the list. I'm not sure why they weren't higher, but, you know, whatever. Mm, what do we have here? Well, those are good. Well, Joss 2 is terrible, but. Well, number 10. Starting off here is Bride of Reanimator. If you haven't seen the original Reanimator, <laughs> there's the uh, the the there's more Reanimators farther down the list. That I saw that immediately. Yeah, there's a lot of those. I didn't even know there were all these. Yeah, so yeah. Bride of Reanimator. Um, it, it's a the reanimated movie. Have you seen that? Oh, I've seen all of them. You you seen all the Reanimator Reanimator movies? Bride just, of Reanimator is a 1990 American science fiction horror film directed by Brian Yuzna. And was written by Yuzna, Rick Fry, and Wood Keith. H.P. Lovecraft wrote the original serialized story titled Herbert West Reanimator, from which the characters were derived. The plot roughly follows episodes five, the horror from the shadows, and six, the tomb legions of the original. The film stars Bruce Abbott, Claude Earl, Wait, Claude Earl Jones. Sorry, that that fucking... Claude Earl Jones? Is that like James Earl Jones' brother? Maybe. No, why would they... No, Claude Earl. I gotta look. Why would he have the same middle and last name? Why not? Well, I mean, obviously they'd have the same last name. You dingle. Trying to. Well, I know, but I mean, why middle and last name? Claude. What am I saying? Uh, Fabiano Udinio, David Gale, Kathleen Kenmott, and Jeffrey Combs. So that's that one. That's number ten on our list. Yeah, number nine. Here's a good one. What was it? Claude. What? Claude Earl Jones. Earl. Earl. God damn! I couldn't. 
I got Flea Bailey in my head. I was like, Claude Lee <laughs> Jones. So the next one, number nine, for all you Leonardo DiCaprio Def- fans out definitely there. Definitely not related. This guy's white. Oh, nope. Well, it could be. I marriage or something. He like died. That. Oh. Number nine is Shutter Island. Shutter Island is a 2010 American psychological thriller film directed by Martin Scorsese. The film is based on Dennis Lee Haynes' uh, 2003 novel of the same name. Production started in March 2008. Leonardo DiCaprio stars as U.S. Marshal Edward Teddy Daniels, who is investigating a psychiatric psychiatric (laughs) facility on Shutter Island. Positively cited by movie reviewers, the film grossed over $128 million in its initial domestic theater release, as well as an additional $166 million internationally. Fantastic. Yeah, it's actually a pretty cool movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. Not amazing. It was... I'm not gonna lie, it was somewhat predictable. I'm a bit, yeah, for sure. The the quote unquote twist at yeah. the end was was fairly predictable. I'm a big fan of Leo's though, so I'll, I'll yeah, take it. He's yeah. pretty, he's, he's hot, dude. This movie's actually come up on a few of our lists re- recently, which is weird. This is number eight. It's session nine. Yeah, is that the uh, 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 fucking asylum one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Such a Nine is a 2001 American independent psychological horror film directed by Brad Anderson and written by Anderson and Stephen Gavadon. Oh, of course. Yeah, the film stars David Caruso, Peter Mullen, Stephen Gavadon, Paul Go... Fuck that name. Gofoil? Gofoil. Gofoil yourself. Josh Lucas and Brendan Sexton the third as an asbestos abatement crew who begin to experience growing tensions while working in an abandoned mental asylum, Ooh. which is paralleled by the gradual revelation of a former patient's disturbed past through recorded audio tapes of the patient's bullshit. <laughs> I added that last part. Okay. <laughs> so, session nine. What number was that? That was number eight. All right. We're on number seven. Number seven. Reanimator. So I just got in the mail not that long ago. My series of four, five comic books of Army of Darkness versus Reanimator. Oh, nice. Oh, when are they going to make that movie? I don't know. They need to, though. If you don't know about Reanimator, which we just kind of talked about. You're a jerk. Yeah. First of all, it's amazing. Reanimator is a 1985 American science fiction horror comedy film loosely based on the H.P. Lovecraft episodic novella Herbert West Reanimator. Directed by Stuart Gordon, it was the first film in the Reanimator series. The film has since become a cult film driven by fans of Jeffrey Combs and Lovecraft, so extreme good, gore, and the combination of horror and comedy. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. If you guys don't know who um, who Jeffrey Combs is, he was the weird-ass uh, FBI agent in um, uh, Frighteners. He wasn't Frighteners. Yeah, wasn't he? he was that crazy fucking guy. That fucking yeah. Kept, that fucking kept taking his fucking shirt off and he had scars all over and he's like oh, <laughs> oh my god that's right such a good movie yeah he's kind of a whack he plays a whack job really really well so that was number seven number six silent night bloody night this oh, is the original the original okay yeah. good. silent good, night good, bloody good. night is a 1972 american horror film directed by theodore gershoni gershoni and co-produced by lloyd kaufman the film stars Patrick O'Neill and cult actress Mary Warrenov in leading roles with John Carradine in a supporting performance. Mm. The plot follows a series of murders that uh, occur in, uh, in a small town on Christmas Eve after a man inherits a family estate, which was once an insane asylum. Oh. The remake yeah. was awful. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. I was a fan, however, of number five. Okay, what is it? Warlock. Oh, yes. nice. Warlock is a 1989 American cult horror film produced and directed by Steve Miner and starring Julian Sands, Lurie Singer, and Richard E. Grant. It was written by David Twohey, and it's just awesome. It's literally about a warlock. 
and he's a bad motherfucker and a prick. Yeah, it's good it's pretty gory too in a lot of spots too. Yeah, so. there's some good stuff in it. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen that one, you got to check that one out. So that's Warlock. Number four, Paranorman, which I thought was a cute Dude, movie. Dude, I my kids watch that movie a lot. It's I think cute. It's, I think it's pretty good. Paranorman is a 2012 American 3D stop motion animated horror comedy film produced by Leica. Distributed by Focus Features and was released on August 17, 2012. It stars the voices of Cody Smith-McPhee, Tucker Elbreezy, Anna Kendrick, Casey Affleck, Christopher Mintz-Plass, Leslie Mann, Jeff Garland, uh, Elaine Stritch, Bernard Hill, Jodell Fernland. Holy shit, lots of people are in this. Oh, and John Goodman, our boy. Oh, who does it say who he played in that? Uh, I'm not going to dive that oh, far man. into that. All right. Anyway. Anyway, it's a I great little movie. We'll yeah, it's like a reanimated movie, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's cute. That was number four. Number three, In Dreams. Is that with, uh, that's well, not, what did I tell you? Is that, that's not Robin Williams, is it? Uh, hold on. In Dreams is a 1999 psychological thriller from director Neil Jordan. It stars Annette Benning as a New England illustrator who begins experiencing visions of missing child who turns out to be her own daughter through her dreams. She begins having psychic connections to a person responsible for her daughter and several other local children's disappearances. That's not the movie. I know what movie you're thinking of. It's like the really weird one. It's like, it's like what dreams may come. Or That's something it. Like that. yeah, That's yeah. what that one's called. So I yeah, knew yeah, it had yeah, something yeah. to do with dreams. Yeah. It's, it's a great movie. Number two, the haunting. 1963, The Haunting is a 1963 British psychological horror film directed and produced by Robert Wise and adapted by Nelson Gidding from the novel The Haunting of Hill House, that's right, by Shirley Jackson. It stars Julie Harris, Claire Bloom, Richard Johnson, and Russ Tamblin. The film about a small group of people invited by a paranormal investigator to stay at a haunted house that comes to life is often cited as one of the most frightening films ever made. Well, the remake was shit. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't awful but it definitely was nowhere near as good as that one yeah i didn't like it and number one hell fucking yeah absolutely it's jaws fucking a right man and if you don't know jaws fucking slap yourself right in the fucking face the fuck is wrong with you right jaws is a 1975 american thriller film directed by the one and only steven spielberg and based on peter benchley's novel of the same name the prototypical summer blockbuster its release is regarded as a watershed moment in motion picture history in the story, a giant man-eating great white shark attacks beachgoers on Amity Island, a fictional summer resort town, prompting the local police chief to hunt it with the help of a marine biologist and a professional shark hunter. They're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> great, great little segue from that. That's number one. Uh, great little segue from that. So, um, oh, what is the guy's name? The the shark, uh, the hunter. Um, um, oh, um, Quinn. Yeah, Quinn. Quinn. Quinn drinks Narragansett. In, in in the movie, okay. I specifically got Narragansett in because the bar because Quinn drinks Narragansett. Do you have Jaws. it there now? Oh yeah. How is it? It's good. It's good. It's just a you know it's a regular ass like lager if I'm not mistaken. It's good. Lager. Yeah, it's good. Drinking the lager. I'm drinking the lager. So yeah, it's good. Anyway, so those are your All movies. The boys that have it drink the lager. <laughs> they take the cag going down to the bar. It's not very far. <laughs> you guys were waiting for that. You had to yeah. So passengers, we hope you fucking enjoyed your ride with us on the fucking Boston Boston Strangler. Boston. Who was not the Boston Strangler. <laughs> not DeSalvo. Fully. Fully. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. What are we talking about next week? <laughs> Fuck, I actually knew it so I could say it this week and I forgot it. Oh, way to go, butthole. 
God damn it. Anyway, so next week. I think we're going to be switching the order up pretty soon, though. There's oh, some things hey, next to... week, we are talking about the DSM-5. Oh, is that for now? You put it in for next yeah. week? Yeah. Fucking wonderful. We're going to get super nerdy, super technical, and we're going to talk about science. You must have done that science. after I looked, because I don't remember that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, of course, we talked a, about this. I had a whole show done for next week already. You fucked me up on it. I don't know. Were you working on something else? Absolutely not. <laughs> then shut the fuck up. <laughs> so the DSM-5, like I was talking about before, I mean, I'm super excited about it because it really has a lot to do with, like, um, you know, true crime and... um just the the way that they put it all together so it's the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders it's the fifth edition 2013 update to the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders the taxonomic and diagnostical tool published by the american psychiatrics association all right so this book is what they use when they go to court and they say is this person crazy or not Boom. That's it. And they look at this and they go, well, he doesn't meet this, 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 and this, but he does this. And then all the things. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about who wrote it, why they wrote it, why there's fucking five editions, and so on and so forth. Next week, right here. Look, I'm only looking at like three editions. I'm not fucking going through five. <laughs> you have to. It is the DSM-5. Anyway. go through number five. Then. So we'll be talking about that. DSM-5. It'll be fun. And we're going to get our nerd on. So if you guys aren't into the, you know, the more scientific-y, nerdy stuff or whatever. Well, dude, you I'll, still make it, listen to it. I'll make it interesting and stupid. It'll be good. It'll be good. So make sure to stop over to our official website, the midnighttrainpodcast.com. At our website, you can buy some super sweet, super sweet, super sweet merchandise at our store. And, uh, you know, we're, we have a... The first of the fecal fighter shirts over there. We also have. We're going to start carrying groceries in our store too, aren't we? Yeah, groceries. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not that I know of. Sean's available for local delivery. Yeah, yeah. Local only. Yeah. And uh, we also have the uh, the Jersey Raccoon shirt up that is yes. a, uh, a switchblade wielding um, leather jacket clad <laughs> raccoon, which is pretty fucking awesome and a bunch of other cool stuff. So make sure you're getting over there. And listeners keep asking how they could. Hey, I said asking right that time. Normally, I say asking for some fucking reason. Because you're an idiot. Oh, thanks. <laughs> they keep asking how they can help keep the steam in our engines. Hey, well, hey, hey, how can we help keep the steam in your engines? <laughs> well, if you like what you hear from us, consider being a producer of the show by heading over to the Midnight Train mm. and clicking on the Patreon button at the very top of the page or go to patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast. You cannot. You, we will not pop up in the searches on Patreon just because we're no, adult because content. No, because we're, we're 18 and over content, so right. you have to go to the exact link, which would just be easier if you just went to our website and clicked on the link. Yeah, it'll be right there either way. Plus, you get to see our sweet website. Yeah, our sweet faces. Are we on there? Our faces? Yeah. No, I want people to go to it. Okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I hope we're not. Yeah. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get all kinds of cool shit like custom t-shirts, custom posters, custom stickers, bonus episodes, all the bonus episodes like the Day the Music Died series, um, the fucking drunken ones that we do, like all kinds of cool shit. We uh, we had, did you see the request for the Day the Music Died? Uh, I don't think I saw Dave it. Brocky from Guar. Oh, I did see is, that. Which is funny because he is on my list of people to do. Nice. Uh, Justin gave us yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, Justin. Yeah, we'll definitely so he get is, to that. It's, it, like I saw that. I'm like, man, he's on my list. Maybe I should move him up. to. Yeah. But 
I, I don't think he's going to be the next one because I already have an idea for the next one, and I'm going to keep you all in the dark and surprised like I always do. Cool. We like that. So if you guys are diehard Midnight Train fans and you want to help produce this motherfucker, our Patreon is for you. And listen, we greatly appreciate it. You know, I know it's five bucks a month and people are like, eh, it's only five bucks, you know, and whatever. That five bucks means a shit ton to us, though. It helps, man. Like, it really does. It helps pay for, you know, advertisements. It helps pay research. for research equipment because, I mean, you, you know, you can, you have to pay for certain websites and certain yep. things to listen to and whatnot. And so yeah. all of it goes back into the show and we can't thank you enough for that. So if you guys are, you know, a producer, we greatly appreciate Except you. Except for that eight ball that John bought the other day. Shh. <laughs> We don't talk about that. Thanks, guys. <laughs> For those that would rather leave us a one-time donation because you've got commitment issues and you're like, ah, I just don't yeah. know if I can do five bucks yep. a month. And you're like, eh, here's here's a 20. You know what I mean? Here's a 20 cents. That's, that's what like, I meant. Yeah, oh, well, absolutely. Yeah, it's right. It's giving us dollars. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Pesos. <laughs> you can do that over at PayPal and use the email address, the Midnight Train Podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can easily like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. And most importantly, please share the Midnight Train to everyone. Even if you're standing around talking to someone and they go, hey, you know, I was listening to this. Go, dude, Midnight Train podcast. And they're going to go, what the fuck are you talking about? And then you open your phone. You know what we should do? And then open their phone. And yeah. then you put it there. And you then, make it do it. And then you make them give us five stars right in front of you. Yeah. Right. You know what we should do? What? We should old school it. We should fucking street team this shit. I would love to. Fucking do it like they used to, the bands used to do, Absolutely. Man, street team. We should be doing that anyway. Yeah, I, I think getting out with people and whatnot, like, yeah. we should be handing out stuff. That's why sure. I got the cards made and stuff, and I pass them out and whatnot. I don't have any cards. Oh, well, I have to give you some. Yeah, but they got your name. I'm not giving people cards with your they name on it. They don't have my name on it. They, oh. have, they have the show's information. Oh, good, good. I'll yes. write my name on it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it only takes a couple of minutes and word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes. We cannot thank you enough for all the love and support we've received. What's up? Uh, so I was I was listening to the radio yesterday, which I rarely do anymore because it's mostly shit. Stupid. Um, apparently, there's a new uh, there is a new platform for podcasts that it's called like Odyssey. Not familiar. It may not be new, but I've never heard of it. I just heard of it the other day. So we got to look into getting on that. And if anybody out there has ever heard of that or used it, please let me know how it is. And if it's worth us, I mean, we should be on every platform anyways, because we're sweet. But what is it? It's A-U-D. A-O. Odyssey, like audio, like A-U-D-I-C-Y, I think it said. Audacity? No, it was like Odyssey, because I thought they were saying Odyssey, and then she spelled it. And I'm like, what? Odyssey, hold on. Odyssey in the App Store. We're probably on there. I would assume. I don't know. I've I've never heard of it, but they said apparently, I don't know how long it's been around, but I've never heard of it. So if anybody uses that, let us know if you guys, if anyone out there listens on that, let me know because I've never heard of it, but I heard a radio ad for yesterday. Yeah. Ooh, it's a a, uh, full-fledged media importer for jailbroken iPhones. (laughs) Really? (laughs) They just do everything, don't they? (laughs) That's what it says. Anyway. Sorry, go ahead. We got a drum roll coming? Uh, yeah, yeah, you think so? Because I want to talk about some amazing people. Do you? I'm like, yes. We can't thank these people enough because they are superhero Patreon producers. Give me that drum roll. Wait for it. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Laura Randall, Tommy Fenderbosch, uh, Chad Flint, Cheryl uh, Pierce. Sorry, my mind right now. <laughs> 
No, because I always call him Tommy's speaker box. Oh, and right. I actually put his real name in here. And it just fucked you up. And it fucked my my brain was like, wait, what is that? Who is yeah. that? Is that a new so one? Tommy. That's Tommy's speaker box. Hey, dummy. Chad Flint, Cheryl Pierce, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Fun Box Podcast. Please make sure you check out the Fun Box Podcast. Rob yeah. is a great guy. Christina Skelton, Maria Gibbs, Jessica Bartolome. Christina and Jessica have a podcast themselves, and it's called the Sis. <laughs> Not the train wreck. Sorry. It's the Sisters Skeleton. Oh, good for you. <laughs> so make sure you check out the Sisters Skeleton on <laughs> everywhere you listen to podcasts. <laughs> also, the Chainsaw, Jigsaw, Craig Spurlock. There it is. I got I to gotta wait a little bit every yeah. time you do that. Um, Craig Spurlock, Rick Resler, Dick. Courtney Batchelor, Katie Brabinick, and of course, our buddy Bill Birch. If you want your name to be mentioned on the show, sign up to become a Patreon producer. I fucking dude, you've only had one beer. Yeah, but dude, were you drinking before I got here? No, I wasn't. I should have been. You were no coffee, hard coffee. It should have been. So listen, stay safe out there. Yeah, man. Don't fuck around with Boston Stranglers. No, don't do that. Don't. And as always. And if you don't, don't become a Boston Strangler. Yeah, don't, don't want to be. God, <laughs> stop. <laughs> don't be a DeSalvo. If you find yourself in that position, just don't do it. Dude, that's going to be the new term. Don't be a DeSalvo. Don't be a DeSalvo. Dude, <laughs> you're a, being a real DeSalvo. You're right being now. a real DeSalvo. <laughs> Yes! That's a new shirt coming at you. And in saying that, two, two motherfuckers! I'll go home and get your fucking shine box. On a slice of bread, and that's what you'll eat when you're dead. And the worms crawl out, the worms crawl in, the worms that crawl in are lean and thin. The ones that crawl out are fat and stout. Your eyes fall in and your hair falls out. Your brain turns into maggot pie your liver starts to liquefy and for the living all is well as you sink further into hell and the flames rise up to drag you down into the fire where you will drown your skin melts off as you descend and satan tears you limb from limb your suffering will Someday you'll be the one to die And when death brings 